I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're gay. And his NB. Episode number 76. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His NB. This episode where we were talking all things Real Housewives. And just to start off this podcast, by the way, fun fact, this is our one year anniversary episode. This is our one year to the date that we released a pod, our first podcast episode. And it was... You know, a big leap of faith by us. We didn't know if it was going to work. We didn't know if it was going to catch on. Um, but we are so thankful for all of you that have listened to us across these this last year. And yeah, it's 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 crazy to think that it's been that long. It does. It feels absolutely wild. It feels so fresh still. Um, but yeah, and it's just been really fulfilling for us to get to talk in front of these microphones and have you all listen and give you get our feedback from you guys. And yeah, it's just. Yeah. Because honestly, we were having all these same conversations in our living room before. Yeah, we were just like, let's just see if anyone else likes it. And apparently some of you do. And that's cool. We, You know, that's like, a nice feeling. Bug your friends with it. Yeah. And your enemies. Hell, who knows? <laughs> sure. Um, Strangers yeah. on the street. Yeah. Before we get into everything that we're going to be talking about this episode, a um, few housekeeping notes that we always do to get out of the way first. Um, the first being uh, wherever you're listening to us, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, in honor of our year anniversary, give us the great gift of leaving a rating and a review on our podcast page. Um, it's so helpful to us to get into the algorithm, helps us get seen by more and more people, and helps us get that amazing feedback. Uh, that we love from all of you guys. So take that time right now. Go leave that rating and a review on our podcast uh, platforms. And uh, yeah, we are so happy that you do so. You can also follow us on social media across platforms at Again and It's MB. That is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. We're posting new content every day, including clips from the podcast, as well as some of our instant thoughts about the things that we are watching. Uh, it's a great place to get an extra glimpse into our minds and that like i mentioned is across podcast or excuse me across internet platforms over at a gay and his nb uh you can also go to a gay and his nb dot threadless.com to pick up a variety of different designs that we have on our store that you can get on t-shirts and mugs and stickers and everything in between we have our brand new design up there uh with heather's most iconic quote from uh the real house was a salt lake city finale uh it's a great design that you can get like i mentioned on all different kinds of items um, and you can support us monetarily by buying something over at againitsnb.threadless.com. And finally, if you have any questions or comments that you would like us to talk about or answer on a future episode of the podcast, be sure to submit that to us across our social media platforms or at againitsnb at gmail.com. Um, we would love to hear from you guys. We would love to answer your questions and submit that with your question, your name, and you can have it answered on a future episode of the podcast. Uh, babe, what do we we have in store on this episode it's a chock full one yeah it is this is uh purely housewives so today we are going to be talking about the first part of the salt lake city finale reunion. oh yes reunion sorry you always mess that up for some <laughs> oh well uh but it, it, it's the final part of the season sure like there's the finale but then there's the finale it's the reunion right um that should be a fun discussion i'll just say that uh yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe fun mm. not fun for us but fun for you listeners <laughs> uh, who knows um <laughs> <laughs> we're also going to be talking about real housewives of beverly hills um you know they have this uh 
this uh, celebration of life party that they're going to, uh, and Anna Marie decides to be a jerk yet again. I was going to say, really fascinating episode besides Anna Marie. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're also going to be talking about Real Housewives of Miami that, to me, felt like it went by really quick. Yeah, you were like... The whole first half of the episode went by in a blink, and the second half of the episode was this party. We'll talk about it. Uh, but before we talk about it, before we talk about any of these things, let's talk about Potomac. Okay. Real Housewives of Potomac for this week. I will say this. <laughs> so, like we were talking before in our last episode with Married to Medicine, there was a two-week break because of the holidays. And I really do think it, fu- it it's just really solidified my view of this show right now. Like, I, I don't know if I told you. I was, like, coming home from work on that Sunday and I was just like dreading watching it. Oh god, we gotta watch Potomac. Like I will say this was a better episode. I think it was slightly better than last week. Slightly. I think there's still a lot of issues that I have, and it's we'll we'll get into it, but like if the rumor is true that Eric has been fired, I am hopeful, but like there also needs to be a certain overhaul and sort of like a a, a, it can't possibly have come down to just Eric. Like no, 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 no. Like, there's, there's multiple fingers in this fucked up pie. Like yeah, <laughs> we need to get a ball out of I'll there. I'll say this: I like Karen. Yeah, I like Karen. I like that Candace was activated this episode somewhat, but I like that Wendy called out. Why do we give a shit? Yeah, <laughs> but also. Why do we give a shit? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, we start the episode um, and Ashley and Giselle are in Ashley's room getting ready for the painting party for Karen's birthday. <laughs> we, this this red like I already spent money on these easels. and Because these... they were supposed to do it two episodes ago and then it got scrapped and they're like, well, I guess we'll still do it instead of like going out in the city. You spent a day on this vacation just in a room painting pictures. I'm like, it was a, here's the thing. We'll get to it. It was a fun enough scene. It was a, it was light and a little more like, oh, like you can have like fun. Like, don't get me wrong. But I I was still like, this is what we're doing with our time. Yeah. It's that, I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence. Um, Giselle says she got Karen an apple pie for her cake and she said, oh, good Lord. but she did say convenient enough. They put it in the freezer, which like, <laughs> that was fun. Um, as that's happening, some of the ladies go by the pool. Well, so Mia, and, and this was such a dichotomy of like, what the issue is. Mia, Neca, and and uh, Robin are sitting around together by the pool. Meanwhile, Karen, Candace, and Wendy go by the bar. That's literally like, they're like five feet away from each other. Yeah. And they're just in separate. They're not intermingling. There's no like, you know, I think it's just like whether you, here's the thing, whether you, where you fall on like the Candace Robin issue, like obviously we fall a certain way, but it's like wherever you fall on it, again, you can interact. Like, I don't understand this. Like, and and if you, I'm a producer on this show, I'm not cre- allowing these things to happen where you just separate the two of them yeah like whatever like we you know whether i think it was deserved or not we'll get to beverly hills but at least they put like they they literally explicitly said we're putting all our shit aside and having a fun day and they did and it was entertaining yeah like i really enjoyed that lunch but also it's your job like it's like your fucking job 
at the end of the day. Uh, Karen, uh, they're taking their drink orders. Karen's like, I'll have a Stella in a glass because I don't suck cans. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then they gave it to her in a bottle. Right. But she said her mouth, because I guess years ago she said her mouth is on, is retired or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Karen, again, those moments I'm, I'm loving Karen, uh, back in the room, Giselle is asking Ashley and she casually brings up like, you know, are you, is your mom still with that guy? Um, which I get, and she's like, girl. Yeah. And I thought this was like, this was like seasons ago that she got with this guy. Cause wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like season like two or three where they were having the discussion about like whether they were going to help Michael was going to help her or whatever. And like, because she was with this guy. Yeah, it was. I'm not well, and and because it's apparently way more extensive. Because Ashley was saying, like, you know, the drama from when I was in high school because he wasn't contributing to my household, he was unfaithful to my mom. Like, she's much more forgiving than I am in terms of this stuff. That's why I don't talk to him. She's been with this man since she was in high school. Yeah, I mean, I guess Ashley is like early thirties, so yeah. That she's know. no, she's mid to late thirties. She's a little bit older than me. Yeah, but like. So I wish we would maybe I I would be interested to delve more into that aspect of it. Like we've seen her mom on camera before. I think that's the thing that's going to maybe save the season is like getting some of these more personal yeah like storylines. Like I I I if we're not going to get the group stuff, like I think that's what we need. Um, I have something to put on the screen. Yeah, Ashley says that she hasn't been to her mom's house in two years because of Jesus not wanting Christ. to be around this guy. And she says to her confessional that her mom's relationship basically informed what she wanted in her relationship. She was like, I wanted someone who was reliable, financially stable, and I didn't want to see myself in a place like my mom's where I wasn't the happiest. Well, you didn't pick correctly then if that's the case because, like, Michael wasn't reliable both. I mean, maybe the most Michael is reliable is financially. And right. that, like you got that, you got one out of three, <laughs> but like in terms of like a man committed to you, Michael wasn't that he was committed to dipping his dick in anything he could. Yeah. Uh, she's like, well, yeah. Anyways, it's like, I guess that's why you're getting divorced. Like, like if maybe that's like the reason behind the, like not, I don't think it's a reason behind the divorce. It's because of what Michael did. But like, if that's in the back of your head as to why you're making the decision, fine. But like, yeah, you didn't. You you no. you fucked that up, Ashley. Just like you fucked up the prenup and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they they're talking about the events for today, and Candace thinks that they're still painting vaginas because that's what someone suggested. And Candace goes, "I don't want to have my vagina out with all of these white people around." <laughs> <laughs> and then Candace goes, "You get waxed, Karen." Karen pauses and goes. I'm going to fuck you up in a minute. <laughs> I love, here's the, I love their banter. I never liked it when Karen and Candace, like that pe- brief period after the Monique fight yeah. when Karen and Candace weren't good. I think they understand each other's humor so well. And I think yeah. they play off each other really great. So over by the pool, Mia is telling NECA and Robin about what Wendy had said at the distillery about how, like, you know, sort of her feelings of things and talked about, brought up the idea that, you know, there were, that they were using like negative connotations when they talk about shrines and stuff like that. Of course, NECA takes it the completely fucking wrong way. She yep. says her confessional first, you're saying there's no shrine, but now there's positive shrines. And then she goes, she's just trying to find a way out in case I reveal more than what I have revealed. And it's very much like hinting, like I didn't say anything, everything wink, wink. And I'm like, but why wouldn't you have? 
I'm tired. She keep she didn't she say at the time that like it came up very impromptu because she couldn't be fake or something. Like she said something mm-hmm. about. But you were holding stuff, and you you're key, you just seemed really calculated at that point. Yep. And also, Wendy's point was not, and maybe this is how Mia related. I don't know. Like Wendy's point was not. There is yes, there was a shrine, but it's a good shrine. Her point was when you are using the word shrine, you're linking it to voodoo. Right. And my mom is a Catholic. She's a practicing Catholic. There are shrine like to say to, to make the con- connotation of shrine about this dark, like evil sort of like thing. Which disclaimer, voodoo is not, but that's what they're saying. Right. It's like you're adding the even if my mom did you know do this it was based like like she wouldn't have done something outside of her religion right and so that when you're adding the voodoo element you're doing it to add this added like disparaging element that's linked to nigerian culture that's extra fucked up right well and also just the just the assumption that because this because voodoo is a cultural like native derived of african religions that makes it evil that's hella anti-black right like that's hella colonizer thought process and the fact that nobody else is calling i mean like you know from other than like maybe candace it's like calling her out on that like says a lot yeah it's mm. robin then goes i mean when people are going through something they try to bring it back to themselves and then make it about them did you hear she was saying well our family members are being attacked and i'm like no mine is Oh my god! I I can't, I can't with Rob. I can't with her. I I I I want it, and it was so crazy because we're coming off of that episode when the whole Juan phone call, and it's like I want to feel sympathy for her in certain right. regards, but like then she does this shit, and I'm just like whatever. Her point, like Robin, it's not that your family is being attacked currently; it's that you're acting as if you're the only person that has had their family be attacked. Right. This is a unique thing to you, and it's like, like it's just it's too victimy, and I can't deal with it. Um, Wendy basically also brings up to Candace and Karen that she just found out this morning that her mom is in the hospital, and that she had to go in for like this emergency surgery. They think it's like something like either like appendix or something from like what they were describing. This was the point where I was disappointed with Candace. And you know, I am a Candace Stan. I am a candy cane proudly. But to say that she was conflating these two things together. Well, because so when he says like, you know, that's why with, you know, what everything that was being claimed and said about her by NECA, that's why it really hurt, but in a different way. And Candace says in her confessional that she doesn't agree with like conflating those two things. I will say, I understand what you're saying. I think it was, I think it's, Candace had Wendy's back in the moment. She said this in her, in her confessional, like to her, like to herself. I think I don't I think that is honest in a certain way while still being loyal. The the thing is is that it's it's neglecting the fact that they were kicking Wendy when she was already down. Right. When she was already down on a thing around her mother, right? So her mother's already sick and then they're going to attack continue this attack on her mother. It's like really? Or like, or also with the attacks being what they are, 
when your mother is going then going through this extra added stuff, you're going to get extra defensive and extra like com- right. confrontational and combative. I can understand that completely. Like because she's being protective. Yeah. And at the end of the day, until someone gets through something like that, there's still something in the back of your head that's going this is dangerous. This has a risk to her life. If I'm, if she literally dies and I'm going through this and the, these people are attacking her, I'm going to start ripping heads off. Yeah. So, of course, she's dealing with that. Of course, that's hitting, especially with her mother's age, right? Like, at a certain age, like, certain surgeries start getting more dangerous. Just being under general anesthesia gets more dangerous. Like, it's it's a whole thing. So, like, maybe realize that while those two things are not related they are still about her mom yeah and i don't yeah and i don't think she's like she's uh, not saying that her mom is sick because of the accusations no no um they all then go to ashley's room for the painting party giselle makes a joke with them and says like okay so guys the task is to paint karen's vagina and they're all like confused and she's like oh i'm just kidding and i love mia goes i mean i was like i'm gonna need more paint then (laughs) (laughs) i would have painted her face as the clit okay like what just like her little head sitting up there at the top just like just with her blonde hair just like little what that'd be funny just a little boop (laughs) <laughs> Look here, head. That's too far. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! But they are having, like I said, they're they're they are having fun. They're enjoying it. Like it's it's. There's a little, like me and Wendy are conversing a little. Like so, there's obviously like the big players like are still like in the way that they are. But like it's not it's not as bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love every time like they show their pain. Like Ashley's like shows in like, do you like it? And Karen goes. I receive it. <laughs> uh, Wendy said that she got uh, included the mole with the two pieces of hair coming out. But on the wrong side. On the wrong side. Um, but that's, I mean, that's when you do, that's how you do Karen. Like, that's the... Yeah. Um, NECA's, NECA's was so fucking confusing. Karen gets so pissed about it. She goes, you gave me a fucking beard. And like, <laughs> but it was supposed to be like shadowing. But also it looked like, the, I don't know what the name of it, but there's this old Nickelodeon cartoon that was like, it looked like really like amateurish drawings as like characters and stuff like that. It looked like it was something that was like transported from that in a way. I can't think of it. I wish I had the name of it at the top of my head, but like it immediately like pinpointed that in my brain. The only thing that I can remind that I remember that has like amateurish type drawing as the animation is like Ed, Ed, Nettie, but that was Cartoon Network. Yeah, it wasn't as clean as Ed, Ed, and Nettie. Like, but that was clean. Well, then, well, you know what I mean. Like, it wasn't a, like there's a glossiness, but like, yeah. Anyway, anyways, I'll, if anyone knows what I'm talking about, comment. Um, Robin then is like building up the reveal on hers, and like I gave your, I gave you the full embodiment of you and what you represent and stuff like that, and she's building up, and Karen's like, oh for fuck's sake, what is this? And it's just a giant blue check mark. <laughs> Which Jesus I was funny. It was funny enough. Everyone laughs. Karen laughs about it as well. Karen then even goes as far as to say, and again, this is maybe just Karen like being the peacemaker and like trying to get to a better place. I was like, okay, Karen. Robin goes, or Karen goes, Robin, I know you and I'm going to, and I, and you, I know you're going through it. But one thing I will always say about you, you are funny as fuck. You are creative as fuck. 
And which I'm like, is she <laughs> really? Um, what has been a funny Robin moment? I don't know. <laughs> and Karen goes, and if we ever get past our snagging at each other, I'd like to get to know you better. You've known her for eight years at least. Like yeah. I like to get to know you better, as if they're like an, as if she's like a newbie. Uh, it's funny. Uh, Giselle uh, gets her her pie, and she blows out the candles, and they all sing happy birthday. Giselle then says in her confessional, "Karen and I will always be Karen and Giselle. There's a level of respect there, and we know there's a level of love there, and it's just lightweight shade and fun. Can't we do lightweight shade? What happened to that?" You happen to that. Yeah. Like, you're the reason we can't do lightweights anymore because you keep coming for people's husbands. Also, is, are certain things about you and Karen lightweight shade? 1,000%. It's not always that way. Nope. The fiery box that's on fire. You said that Ray's penis doesn't work. You said, like, a multitude, like, the tax stuff, that you, the way you came for her. Like, you know, the like, she came for you hard with like the Jamal stuff as well. Like the fucking like hell this started back in like season two when they started accusing her of living somewhere else and not living with Ray. And wasn't that season two or yeah, season yeah, three yeah. or something? Well, you also accused uh, Ray of having a crush on your friend, Erica Lyles and like was going to cheat the, as if he was going to like cheat on Karen. Like you've come for like Karen, like going out with like it's to say that that is all lightweight shade. Is, it's literally not. It's that so, is literally coming for her institution. It's so <laughs> minimizing to me. Like, it's, yeah. That's where I agree with Candace of, like, the double standard of, like, I'm, is Karen, is Candace particularly aggressive sometimes? Aggressive is not the word. Let me recorrect that. I don't want to call her aggressive. Um, is Adamant. Adamant. Sure. Um, into, uh, uh, you could say vulgar. She's vulgar at times with her words. Yeah. But, like, I, I don't mind it when it's placed correctly. And like, yeah. this, this, it's, again, this is not fucking child's play. Well, and it's like, you're coming for her family. Of course she's going to react like a mama bear. Right. That's her family. As well she should. Like, you, what? Right. Um, so the ladies all get ready because they're going to go out for like a drag night at Oil Can Harry's, which is a famous bar in Austin. Great Yay. bar um, that Ashley's organized. I was also confused with Ashley and her confessional because she's talking about like the they're doing it also because of like the rampant attack on drag and, and all that stuff. But she says her confessional, considering that the drag community is under attack and Tennessee is where they were trying to do the ban. I think we're really honored to just be in their presence. Does she not realize she's in Texas? Right. Does she think she's in Tennessee? I hope not, because Tennessee is literally next door to Virginia. Yeah, I like. I get it's the South, and like Texas is also fucked up in terms of that stuff in certain ways. But like, I don't know what one had to do with the other. Anyways, they start with T's, <laughs> basically. Um, Wendy uh, says that her mom had. Uh, she found out that her mom is out of surgery and that she's feeling relieved now, and like can sort of go about her day. Um, they all arrived to this dinner uh, downtown. Um, what did you... So, I will say, that people, like, I have to note it because a lot of people have like, it's become such a thing. Yes, Wendy is wearing that exact same fucking Mugler bodysuit that everyone's wearing on Housewives nowadays, and it's way too overused. I do think Wendy has worn it, worn it the best. Yes. Like, it's it's actually, like sheer in ways that like looks really good and it's placed correctly and i like the matching sunglasses like i think that it's been better it's 
was the best executed here than in other places. I will agree with you uh, to the point that I didn't even notice it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take that. And, and I notice it usually on other people when they wear it. I didn't notice her wearing it because it didn't feel like a costume. Yeah. Usually when housewives wear it, it feels like a costume. It feels like you're trying too hard. Yes. Wendy just... The thing is, is that Wendy always brings it. And Wendy always dresses to the nines. And she always looks amazing when she does so. I never... I don't think I've ever seen Wendy in a really bad look. So, like... I think about it. Yeah. Wendy's going to look great. And she's going to wear this bodysuit. And it's going to look great. And that's just her. When other people do it, it's like... This doesn't fit right. You don't have the right curves for the Not right. like to like denigrate someone's body, but like certain looks look good on certain body types. It looks like it was built onto her body. Right. And that helps. Yeah. Um, they sit down for dinner. Oh, my God. They have a drink on the menu that Wendy orders called the Sneaky Link, which as, as it, like Wendy literally looked to Candace like, girl, like Candace like, don't bring that up again. <laughs> Can we not? It's triggering. Um, uh, Mia, they're talking about the drag night. Mia goes, I might show y'all a split tonight. Like maybe not in this outfit because this is way too tight. Um, and then when he's like, I mean, I feel like your butt got bigger. And Mia goes, yeah, cause I like gain weight. But like last year I was also so sick. I lost a lot of weight. So I'm gaining it all back, I guess from like all the stuff that was happening with the business and like all this stuff that she was dealing with. Maybe like, I just, I wasn't aware of her being sick last year. So I can... I think I can see her looking skinnier last year. Not like sick, but like. Yeah. And then she uh, is talking more about like the Gordon stuff and how he's going forward with that lawsuit. Uh, she says her confessional, Gordon's a good guy, but now he's hardening. And that's fucking with that. That's fucking with me emotionally. Yeah. Which I was like hardening. Um, that's <laughs> Emotionally. No, normally it's a good thing. Um, <laughs> Especially at his age. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, didn't she? She said that he was like impotent at the reunion last season, right? Did she? Remember in the thing with Jacqueline that she was claiming that like... Holy shit. Was, I don't remember that. Yeah. I think I think she said it as like a dig of like, you're making fun of my husband, you know, who suffered through like testicular cancer or whatever. And it was like, you really laid out all of his business on this reunion. Well, but that doesn't mean he's impotent. No, I think he, she said he was. And like... Wow. Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. Anyways. Um, Ash... Oh, okay. So then Ashley starts... She goes, mm-hmm. so chicken shit bingo turned into, and Candace goes, chicken shit. <laughs> like, basically. I was so, this is where I was like, I think Ashley's done. I, I'm, I, in, in my ideal world of, like, how I would recast this, I don't find Ashley, th- this shit to be entertaining. I get, I, and here's the thing. There are people on Housewives who, like, start these fights to, like, create the, I get that that's a role, and I understand that that's important. But it's so obvious with her. It's so obvious, and I don't like the way she does it, because I think it's very antagonistic and just, like, like, a lot of people were saying that Candace, like, shut down because Ashley was winning the argument or whatever. I actually don't think that's what it was. I took it as Candace literally shut down in this because she couldn't see what Ashley was doing. She, like, she said it earlier. Candace said it earlier in the season that she can see Ashley's bullshit from a mile away. Yeah. And so she. that's why I, that's why I feel Candace didn't engage in this shit. Yeah. She goes, honestly, I thought that it would be time where we would have fun. And I'm an outsider. I acknowledge that. <laughs> but then you're going to... I love she, like, prefaces that, but she's like, 
I'm going to act as if I know everything about this anyways. She goes, but when we're going home in a car yesterday, you, Candace, you know, you were very emotional. Starts well enough of like, you, oh, like if, if, if Ashley actually wanted to mend this, right? Her being like, in the car, you cried and were very emotional about your friendship with Robin and like it possibly deteriorating. And I, you know, you were very raw about it, right? Yeah. But Ashley doesn't take it that way. She then turns and goes, so I don't understand what made you feel like it was okay to bash your friend on social media because the remorse in the car and your actions in the past just don't align. There's no reason that, like, again, that's, I've said it before. There's a group that wants to fix things and there's a group that actually just wants to dig things deeper. Yep. And and I understand, like, I understand the incentive to dig things deeper normally on Housewives, but at the point with how deep it is dug already, right? what are you doing? Right. It's like, I, it's one thing to, like, dig deeper and make some light shade into something of a storyline. Like, I get that. I totally understand. But when we are literally at the point where people refuse to engage with each other where people like literally don't want to have anything to do with each other or like, fuck you. Like we're done. You don't dig deeper. Yeah. You you try to build a bridge. There's a Canyon build a bridge. Don't dig the thing deeper. Yeah. And then also I was really pissed at production because in the examples that they're showing of Ashley saying of you trash Robin on social media, go back and look the first tweet that they show of, of Candace where she was saying like, don't be um, cheating or don't be cheating something about like cheating husbands or something like that. Right. Or don't be cheating on your spouse or something. The date on the tweet is November of 2022. The Robin stuff, the Juan Hotel stuff, didn't come out until like early February the next year. Actually, it was, if I remember correctly, it was January 31st because it was literally right before, it was the day before the Scandaval hit. Right. So that tweet is not about Robin. Right. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, it's just, it's like, it's, it's so obvious at this point that that truly original is standing for Robin and um, Giselle. Yeah. And it's just, it's disgusting. Candace goes, I'm not addressing you anymore. Like just done with Ashley and Ashley goes, you can dismiss me all you want. The difference between you and me is I say it to the group and you say it on the internet, which everyone thought that was like a big burn. And I'm like, is that true? Candace says shit to people's face all the fucking time. Yep. What are you talking about? Candace goes, do you understand that I'm not speaking to you about it anymore? And Ashley goes, I don't care. I don't care. And Candace goes, and if you want to continue to talk, you can talk to my ass. Ashley then goes, well, then let me see that ass while you walk away. Give me a view of that ass. And Candace goes, you don't put me out of shit. <laughs> like, right. It, yeah, and apparently it seemed like there was much more to the fight in the trailer. People were knowing there were certain parts that were cut. Like, yeah, at one point in the trailer, like, Candace slams down a knife on the table, which is, like, a callback to the knife fight from... Well, I mean, it's clearly the stuff that they cut out was all the stuff that made Ashley look stupid as fuck. Yeah, I just don't understand. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm just, I'm just sick of the 
obvious editing and obvious slant of the way that they're editing things. Wendy then goes, can I jump in here? Robin, is there a question you would like to ask so we can have a good conversation as opposed to this? Like, literally, again, it's like uh, Wendy is trying to mend things and Wendy doesn't even fuck with Robin. Like, right. you know, and Robin goes, no. And then she turns to Ashley and starts talking to Ashley. Goes, she goes, what she did is unforgivable. Like, refusing to talk to Candace. Candace goes, Robin, what did I do? Tell me what I did. Robin's still talking to Ashley. goes, I would never go on a public platform and continually trash someone. You mean like your podcast? Oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Candace then goes, and Candace drops this. Candace goes, when I asked you if you were mad at me, you ignored me. And we see the text that she had sent Robin about, of, of, like, literally saying, are you mad at me? And Robin apparently just, like, ghosted her after that. Candace goes, but now you want to come in front of the group and play damsel in distress. Robin goes, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. She always does. I'm sorry. She always fucking does this. Candace has multiple, and people have multiple times, dropped a receipt to say, like this literally sh- like you're casting this in a different light and then she just throws a fucking fit and yeah. then it's like and then it becomes a like it's just proves to me that like you can't win this argument yeah she goes run to twitter and talk all the shit you want about me i don't give a fuck the worst part about like it's not even that big of a dig like it's like just go back to twitter and talk shit giselle is to the right of robin going oh 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 she didn't say anything. Like, what? Giselle, shut up. Like, you're the worst hype woman. It's awful. Like, ugh. Candace goes, you are not a victim. And Robin goes, I am not trying to be a victim. That is my reality. <laughs> that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, Candace goes, and that's not my fault or my problem. Robin then goes, let me make a blanket statement. None of us should use social media to weaponize against each other. And then Candace goes, but it's okay to weaponize shit against me and my husband. The rules can't change because of social media. And she slams her hands on the table and goes, the line is always moving. And it is. It really is. Because what the fuck does that mean, Robin? What the fuck does that mean? Does your, uh, like, I mean, are you playing with definitions? Does a podcast count as social media? I would argue it fucking does. It's on the fucking internet. Yeah, well, and you're definitely promoting it on social media. So, Robin literally makes this blanket statement that you shouldn't. we shouldn't be attacking each other on social media. Then, months later, when that fake-ass fucking rumor about Chris comes out, she promotes it on her podcast and says, I believe it. I think I have enough information to know that it's real. Yeah. You are the biggest fucking hypocrite and you, and, and it's never going to, this, this whole issue is never going to fix because Robin can't recognize that she's a hypocrite. I can get over you defending one that that's fine. That's natural as a human, like human beings do that shit. Sometimes it's yeah. not always right. Human beings do it, but you, the inability for her to acknowledge the hypocrisy and also cause she was on watch what happens live after this episode and like continually plays fucking dumb. And it's like, it's one thing if you're playing dumb about your own fucking marriage because that only affects you. Yeah. But like... Well, it's really frustrating that Andy wasn't holding her to it. She Andy did seem annoyed by her, though. Yeah. But it's just like... Like, 
she you have her in front of you on live television make her answer yeah well when he he asked about like the do you understand people's point about like the paywall thing for example right and she's like I just don't understand the problem. Like, you know, we weren't filming on the season. So if I just did it on like the regular podcast and not while we were filming, would it then be a problem then? And literally Andy goes, I mean, it's for free. Like, yeah, like you like, but I mean, she doesn't can't visualize her doing anything wrong. It's so infuriating. Yeah. And like, we were talking about, um, what if we were to recast, right? We were having that discussion of like what that right. would look like. To me, Robin's a definite out. There's, At this point, yeah. There's no fucking reason to bring her back. No. Nope. I don't like whatever like drama with her and Juan, I yeah. don't really care. Yeah. At this point, I'm done with the the GEBs. I'll keep, I will keep Mia. Mia is worth, Mia's earned her spot, I think. Um, but honestly, I'm I, giving NECA a pass until the end of the season. Yes. But, I mean, even then, that has five housewives. We don't even necessarily need another person at this point. Yeah. Honestly, but if you want to bring somebody in, Sharice is not a bad option. I, I was literally like, maybe Sharice, because I kind of liked Sharice the first episode, even though I didn't like Sharice last season. Yeah. And I honestly think Karen would be more willing to fucking work with Sharice than, than Giselle is to work with Candace or Wendy. The only issue that I have with Sharice coming back is that she would be a possible end to getting Robin as a friend of. Sure. And I think, I think if Giselle, Giselle, if Giselle, like I was thinking like if Giselle does stay and Robin goes and all of her, and Ashley goes and that gang, would she be able to fight for herself in a way? Cause I think she, she thrives off of having minions to sort of like elevate her. But like, I also don't even know if I want to try that experiment. I'm really wrestling with that. Yeah. I, I honestly I don't I don't I, was I the, don't care to. I was in the camp of give Robin one more season to like drag her and then send her home and now I'm realizing that was kind of a mistake. Yeah. But yeah. Um Robin then decides to get up and leave off of the table and go elsewhere. Um Mia goes, "Yesterday was a lot. She's not fine." And Karen goes, "Neither one of them are fine though." And to value her tears over Candace, I'm not buying it. And I was like, "Yes, Karen." Thank you. But, and, and, and Karen has consistent, Karen is a, Karen plays the middle a lot. And yeah. she got dragged for it with the Monique Candace stuff, right? She like that. She was playing too much in the middle, but here she's like, no, I'm not going to not acknowledge that Karen is her or, or that, or that Candace is also her. Like, yeah. we're not going to act as if one is more than the other. Mia goes, but she's going through a lot and we're being some shitty ass fucking friends for not supporting her. And Karen goes, but Robin has decided it's okay with her. So what are we supposed to do? Right. She can't both care or not care and also be a victim. Right. Exactly. It's like, like it, it's a, it's a hypocrisy of the argument too. It's just like, do you want us to tend over your every word and be sympathetic to you? Or do you want us to just be like, well, fuck it, whatever. And I'm sorry, if we're going to say fuck it, whatever, I'm not going to be gentle with your fucking feelings. Right. Like, that's not going to happen. Sorry. Pick a lane. Uh, fucking NECA and her confessional goes, all Robin is looking for is for Candace to take ownership of something instead of blaming and pointing the finger at some someone else. But she can't even admit that she did anything. Because she didn't. You're literally, one, you can literally say the same thing for Robin. Like, you could literally reverse those two names and it's this, and it's like a more accurate fucking statement. But like... Neca, like we'll t- like we'll talk about it with Anna Marie later. It's like similar. It's like what the fuck do you know? Yeah, you've been you- here for three seconds. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. 
Oh my god. So then Robin because Robin's now at a table by herself. And then I and then we see that she's calling Juan and I'm like, no, sorry. This is on you now. I don't feel sorry for you anymore. This was the same day as that phone call. Right. You, the the idea that you would call Juan again, you're you're asking for it at this point. So she FaceTimes him and he <laughs> doesn't pick up on the camera. She goes, Why can't I see you? What's wrong with your FaceTime? And he goes, I don't know. She goes, What are you doing? He goes, uh, laundry, like folding clothes. And it's such <laughs> fucking bullshit because Andy asks her about this on Watch What Happens Live. And she goes, she says, I don't remember first off. She goes, I don't remember. And then he pushes her on it. And she goes, what? Do you really think that he's got some girl there? And he answered the phone. Yeah. He's a dumbass who went and drove an hour to Baltimore to allegedly pay for a fucking hotel room that he could have paid over the fucking phone. Like, he is egregious with doing this shit in public knowing he's going to get caught on camera. Yeah. He does not care about how much he hurts you. Yeah. It's like, come on. When he says it, when he says at the table, can I say for the record, I don't give a damn. <laughs> she goes, if her husband's cheating on her, that's her problem. Why are we talking about this? I want more scallops. I don't care. <laughs> Candace is like, where are the scallops going? <laughs> She's like, I ate your scallops. <laughs> She goes, those are my scallops. <laughs> so good. Robin then tells Juan, they're just like trying to like force me and Candace to like talk and I don't want to. Juan goes, Robin, Robin, just listen. Just listen to her. Just hear what she's got to say. Just be the biggest person for once. Just do that. And we were like, who is this? Okay. This is the epitome. I, 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 here's the thing. Right message. Wrong messenger. Right. Yes. You're being a, a asshole, not at the very least listening to Candace. You're acting like a fucking child. But Juan should not be telling you that. Yeah. Like, Juan has no business place standing whatsoever to fucking talk to you like that and say, be the bigger person for once. Well, and also to chastise her for not listening to anyone when he literally never listens to anything she has to say. Yeah. And literally shuts her down anytime she tries to have a conversation. Yeah. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's like <laughs> technically right, but morally wrong. Yes, absolutely. And then Robin just goes, all right, I'll talk to you later. And he goes, no, wait, hold up. What do you mean? Why can't you? And then she hangs up the phone. That was, I love him yelling at her and berating her over the phone for making, you know, making things worse. That's not enough for her. But the, the goal for her to be told to be not, to make up with a best friend of hers that she's having a fight with. That's the line. No, I can't listen to that anymore. Fucking bullshit. She sucked. I hate her. Robin Eric Vessel goes, I cannot be the bigger person. And that's, what's frustrating to me about what Juan is telling me because he knows that I'm unable to be phony. The, I, that says so much about you. So being the bigger person to you is being phony. So being mature is phony to you yeah because you're immature okay well i'm just i'm glad you know this about yourself at least sure giselle then comes up to the table and goes we're just gonna give you a minute and now i'm here and i was like i wish you weren't <laughs> robin then starts to talk robin like robin starts with the sense of like yeah i was just calling and giselle go giselle like cuts her off and goes my recommendation to you is to not engage candace like <laughs> It's so 
fucking clear what is happening here. Yep. It's so fucking She's like, without even communicating, she's just like, do not talk to Candace anymore. Good. Awesome. Great. My job is done. Yeah, because Giselle, like, it is clearly like Giselle's motive is to get Candace fired. Yeah. That is her entire operation this season. It's just, it's egregious. Like, you can, here's the thing. Even if you're on the stance of, I've seen people do it, say it online, who are Team Robin on the whole, like, Candace said it all on social media and shouldn't have done that. Even if you're on that side, I just, I still cannot understand how you can defend Robin outwardly refusing to even have a conversation with Candace. Like, Robin should have, if Robin has a conversation with Candace, Robin tells her how that hurt her, and Candace doubles down or whatever, then fine. Then cut off the friendship. But it is just not mature or, you know, normal to just like, not, if you really considered Candace a friend, not to at least say that this hurt me. But also, if Robin refuses to engage with her on this, then where else is Candace supposed to talk about it? Right. She then has no option but to go online because otherwise she's not going to get her side of the argument out. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. Mia and Ashley then go to check on uh, Robin and Candace is going, oh, look, she's following Floppiana. It's Floppiana and her pet rocks. And then she goes to Ashley, she goes, go ahead, Cactus. I don't know what that meant, but it was funny. Go ahead, Cactus. Check on the victim. She's such a victim. <laughs> Candace is done with Robin at this point. And I get it. Like, yeah. Robin's like, I don't want to be in a friendship with someone where I have to be perfect according to their friendship standards or I'm going to be talked shit about. I don't even know what that means. I don't either. Like, whatever. It's, and, it's clearly a line that was fed to her. And Giselle goes, she will not take accountability for anything. Whatever. It's a mirror. Yeah. When he goes, I think you two need to have a private conversation. Candace goes, that was the time to have an adult conversation and be grown up. But Robin was a child. I'm sorry she's heard, but I'm not doing the games. This is a game that's happening. Candace then says her confessional, and I agree with her completely. In my befuddlement, I still think there's hope. We just need to have a conversation that is absent of the peanut gallery and all of her minions. Yeah. I agree. Like, they they really, Giselle and Ashley and Robin really fucking feed off each other. Yeah. In a way that's just, like, not productive. Um, they come back to the table. Ashley said that she made a bet with Giselle earlier where they would have to basically kiss Karen and give a lap dance. And so they're playing around with Karen. It's like, Oh, it's your birthday. And like, Giselle's like humping on her and and Ashley tries to kiss her. Candace is like under her breath going, got herpes. You better be careful. HPV, gonorrhea. That was a step too far. I thought. Oh, really? I thought it was funny. (laughs) I... I thought it was disrespectful and I understood why she would be so angry as to go there. I thought it was inappropriate. I guess <laughs> they all get in to go to the drag show. And I love when they're getting in the cars. Candace goes, okay, getting these cars, right. I don't want to ride with no raggedy hose, like very vocally in front of everyone. And then she, she tells Ashley, go get in the other car. And NECA goes, I'm sorry. And she goes, not you. <laughs> You're fine. NECA, not this bitch. Ashley then goes, well, then I'm going to get in this car. Then You're not going to tell me what to do. Like fucking like children. They're fucking children. 
I can't. I'm so tired of it. Uh, they arrive at Oil Can Harry's. There's people with like Karen t-shirts on. Because clearly it was one of the things of like the Potomac ladies are coming to film. Like, so, right. like have people there. Um, they all go over like what their drag names would be. Oh, no one can. I, NECA's was the only like good one that would be like an actual drag name. It was like champagne. Some, like it was one of the ones where it's like, okay, that's kind of a drag name. No one knows what drag names are. Like it's a, it's like a pun. That's like, that's like I a mean, play not off all of them are puns, but yeah. Well, Robin says her name would be the green eyed gobbler. It's like, what? That's not a drag name. That that's a Batman villain. <laughs> it's like that's not the same thing. Oh my god! Um, so a bunch of them get called up on stage um, for the with the host and stuff like that, and they have them all like they celebrate Karen's birthday, obviously, but they all do like a strut and and whatever. Wendy does like her strut and her Mugler bodysuit, and NECA is in the back. And this was when the footage from the actual event came out when it was happening. People had already seen this, but in the background, NECA is doing like big thumbs down as like Wendy is like walking. They don't show it in the episode, actually, and this is why I like Mia, actually. It's like she does the big thumbs down, right? And then she kind of looks to Mia like, yeah, like thumbs down, and Mia goes, thumbs up, and does a thumbs up, which it's like. <laughs> I thought that was like that to me tells me a me can be a little objective and like not yeah. hold that deep of a grudge. And I and yeah. I appreciate that in Mia. Um Robin goes, I'm sorry if NECA uh, if I'm NECA and she treated me the way that she treated me, I'm giving her a thumbs down too. How did Wendy treat her? Wendy ain't did shit. Wendy was literally nice to her fucking face. Even if we believe all the like shrine stuff, she was nice to her fucking face. But even if we believe the shrine stuff, that's about Wendy's mom. Yeah. Not about Wendy. Wendy ain't done shit. Right. Uh, Karen is Karen was impressed. Like she was like crawling on the ground. People were like, oh, she has good knees for 60. <laughs> like, and it was impressive, I would say. And they get, they crown Karen, obviously. Like, it's a big fun. It's a fun drag moment. Yeah. It was a cute enough moment. I just think these cute enough moments don't aren't enough to support this season that has a lot of yeah really big structural issues. And that's becoming a problem. Um, yeah. So that was Potomac for this week. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're talking part one of the Salt Lake City reunion. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can combine that? Yes. On a wrestling man. That's right. Do you want something new to put on your reading list? Are you feeling your holiday spirit grow while also being astutely politically in tune? Then you'll want to pick up The Santa Strike, a new book by Shanna Hammaker. While home in Midland, Texas on a weekend visit with the eccentric uncle who raised him, Marion Wachlowski, otherwise known as Mary, discovers a long-forgotten letter Uncle Joe wrote to Santa Claus. Mary keeps it to share with his girlfriend Lindsay and his best friend Tommy, at first, they consider the letter to be nothing more than a silly lark. What kind of grown man would write a letter to Santa? But soon, Mary and Lindsay find themselves caught in a much larger mystery concerning many, many more letters to Santa, all surrounding the crisis of gun violence in America. 
you can order The Santa Strike now on Amazon, available both on Kindle and in paperback. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to Again is MB. Let's head on back to the Bermuda Triangle where the icy waters are just as icy as the relationship between Monica and the rest of these women on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City, part one of the reunion, uh, three-part reunion uh, coming up. And it seems, I, I really like this part uh, overall. I, I, to go sort of broadly with what I liked about this part of the reunion, obviously Monica is like the big talking point of this season and, and this reunion. And I feel like it's going to be the, big part coming up to in the other two mm-hmm. episodes. I like that there was, there was some good stuff without Monica. Like there was like they, they made a point to also fight with each other in certain ways that like was really like they didn't, they didn't come in like immediately being like, we are a team of five going against this one person. Right. And there was even a couple, I mean, there was a couple moments where they were like giving Monica a little, a very little, but don't get me wrong. But like, little moments and i was like okay i like how this is going i think i personally get a sense and this could just be me overreading it i get a sense that they actually wanted to hear monica out to a certain extent i think they maybe realized how i in my hope they may have realized how successful the season was right and realized Okay, I might want to work with Monica down the line, but also right. like only if this like it still has to work a certain way because I think there are genuine hangups right with wanting to do another season with her. Right, I, I get that. I just I think that they would be unwise to completely get rid of her at this point. The rating for this episode of the reunion was the highest of the season, and it was like the series, sig- wasn't it? I don't know about the series, but it was definitely the highest of this season. It was like, but it was like also like an extra like 200,000 viewers. Like it was significantly, well, the finale got like 2 million when you add like Peacock and all that stuff. Right. But like, so I, there's momentum. And so I don't know if I wouldn't not capitalize on it. Yeah. If I, if I was that. Um, so the ladies are all arriving in New York, uh, for, and it's like just flashes of like some of the moments from them in Bermuda and stuff like that. <laughs> Fucking Angie carrying that Gucci get bag that just has fake on the front of it. Which is just like, this is crazy. I, she is again, fucking camp queen. Yeah. Like, at least there's that. Um, oh my God. So they're going down. Lisa, Heather, and Whitney are praying in the like freight elevator as they're going down going, Archangel Michael, please protect us. <laughs> I I will say I I think I mentioned to you I did love that like even though there's moments of fighting between them this is the first time really having Lisa Heather Meredith and Whitney for the most part on the same page right and that's kind of a big deal for this show yeah there's definitely a, there's a significance to that um I have to note can we talk about Whitney's look it's awful it might be the worst look I've seen in a while at a reunion. I, I won't go so far as to say the worst one ever because there have... The hair and makeup are fine. There have been literally over, I think, 100 reunions at this point. It probably is not the worst. No. But it's down there. It's Jesus like, Christ. It's like, we, like, let me do doilies from a craft store, but also make it neon yellow. 
that's a choice. Like, but even then, it's not even really doilies. It's like rope in the vague shape of a doily. Yeah, because it doesn't even cover like fully. It's not fully covered. It's just like loops and like what are we doing yeah it's crazy it's bad um monica makes her dramatic entrance down the stairs like big build-up moment as everyone's looking um did you notice also when she sits down for the at least for the like beginning i don't know through the rest of the episode meredith is like turned from her like her her like her head is like turned towards andy but her whole body is like very much towards whitney Mm. It was very like, but that's Meredith going to give a performance and just like, a, I cannot be with her. <laughs> like, um, Andy introduces the episode. He says that the set looks like a big acid trip. People hated this set online. I love this set. I, I do agree with the critique that it looks like a Pirates of the Caribbean like ride in Universal Studios. Yes, that is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's like, d- d- like, oh, you got like caviar taste and like you can't enjoy a fucking Universal Studio ride. Look, I just. I, I don't know. It's incredibly dynamic. It doesn't look like any other reunion set that we've ever seen. Yeah. Like, it's... I'm sorry. It's really cool looking. It's Fuck a, y'all. And I, I like the chaos of it yeah. in terms of what happened on the season. Well, and it's it's really it, exactly that. It, like, illustrates exactly the turmoil and the the destructive nature of the Bermuda trip. It, it's beautiful. I love it. I yeah. fucking love it. Um, Andy notes that they haven't been together as a group since Bermuda. Monica then says, I mean, I feel like they have been together. Like, I feel like they were together a lot minus me. And Andy goes, right. Well, that's what I'm pointing out. No, it's not, Andy. <laughs> he, he, it's but, not. But it was very, like, it was very pointed on Andy. I couldn't tell this reunion whether Andy liked Monica or not. I, I think either. Here's the thing. I think he should because yeah. I don't think she we'll get to it later. I don't think she saved the show. I think she saved the show from a slump of last season, maybe. But like she definitely brought something that you should be happy about, Andy. Like, here's the thing. If Monica wasn't on this season, what would the storylines have been? Um, more probably more. Mer- they would make Meredith more the villain than Monica about like the rumors. Like, they would center it more around Meredith's, like, rumors and, like, bring, like... Okay. So, it would have been more about Angie's husband. Yeah. You're like, no. You're like, that cannot happen. That's not enough to carry a season. I'm sorry. This would have been the last season of Salt Lake. Sure. I I think, like I said before, I think everyone contributed, but I think Monica has a special contribution that needs to be recognized. Agreed. Um, Andy asked how it feels uh, to do the show without Jen. I love that he kind of intro with this. And Heather gave an answer that was interesting. She goes, I was worried the effect that Jen had that, you know, people would want that level of like drama and toxicity and craziness and they might tune out, but we're excited for the chance to get, you know, free of all of that. And we're excited for the chance to prove ourselves. And I was like, I agree with that. Like, I think like they did prove themselves in spite of Jen not being there. And I think like that you do have an instinct of like, Oh my God, Jen leaving is like a big fucking blow. And it really was an asset to them. And I think Jen is, I didn't love Jen even in terms of like outside of the, I get the, I think I liked her a lot. The first season, she brought a big moment to the show, the FBI raid and the rest of it. I found very, um, unlikable and like, just like not right you know the right fit for this in many ways 
Um, Andy's like, you know, so I asked you guys last year the reaction to her guilty plea, and it's and you guys seemed like really trepidatious about saying one way or the other. It's now a year later. I'll ask again what do you guys think. Heather says, I mean, she was lying to our face up to the moment that she walked into the courtroom to plead guilty. Like, you know, it's 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 really fucked up. And Lisa's like, even, at, even after she pled guilty, she still maintained her innocence. It's really hard to have a friend tell you I'm innocent. And all the evidence is pointing that she's guilty. And we backed her up the entire time. It's like, yeah, it's, there is a... Here's the thing. I... I don't, I am not convinced the Heather knew everything about her business. I'm not convinced yet on that. I would love to see people make an argument about that. and I'd be more than willing to hear the evidence. But like, I also, I, I sympathize with them in the sense that Jen literally maintained to her dying fucking day in that, well, not dying day, but you know what I mean? Like that she was innocent and that she was not going to plead guilty. Right. And then for her to just walk in the courtroom and say, yeah, I plead guilty. Yeah. It's fucked up. And then to never really talk to her again after that. Yeah. Like you have no way of like, you really, she did hang them out to dry in many regards. And I think like, because if this is somebody that you considered a friend, you have to, in a certain way, like be like, if you're saying you're not guilty, if you're saying that you're a victim in this, I'm going to be with you. Like now, whether Jen was actually a friend to them and whether they, cause they're all the, like, so Koa, who is Monica's friend, who's also involved in this reality Von T stuff, released text messages with Heather to basically prove that Heather already knew about the video, at least had knowledge of the videos in which Jen was berating staff and like all and that stuff that came out on reality Vontees. Right. And with the way Heather is communicating those texts, it doesn't feel like a friend. Don't get me wrong. She does is like Jen's an asshole, but also Jen's an asshole. I think I always believed that Heather believed that stuff. I think she just was too afraid to say it. Sure. Um, I also think, you know, those texts at, at the very least show that she knew of of Koa's uh, of, of Koa's involvement in reality von Tees. I think that there's no way that at this point that she didn't know of the cease and desist letter. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's there's a lot of explaining that Heather has to do. I and th- I it's think not so. gonna happen at this reunion. Unfortunately, yeah. Um and I think that But it could uh, it also, could happen next season only if Monica you bring Monica there. back. Right. I also think that um Heather talks about bringing Meredith in on this stuff. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to send this to Meredith. Like, that's in some of the text messages. And I don't remember who it was that said it. It's one of the Reality Von Tees people mentioned, we were in their DMs all the time getting info from them. Yeah, I wanted, I want to know if, I want more, like, screenshots or whatever about, like, direct tips. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if that's the case, then yeah, that is a big issue. Put that shit out there. Yeah. Oh, Heather's been feeding you information? Great. Whitney's been feeding you information? Great. Then they don't get to be angry at you because they they contributed. Yeah, there is a hypocrisy. Like we talked about last week, there is a hypocrisy to this that needs to be addressed maybe, hopefully. I don't know. I... I wonder if it will be addressed at this reunion at all. Probably not. Um, they answer Andy when 
like, yes, do you believe that she's innocent? And they're like, no, we don't believe she's innocent. We based like, yeah, like, duh, she's not innocent. Yeah. Um, Whitney says that she would vocalize things, but then face retaliation. And they're like, what kind of retaliation? She's like, social media hatred. Lisa goes, vicious attacks that would ruin character, your name, your business. And here's the thing. Yes, I do agree. Partially, and this is just my opinion. I understand that it's a very it's touch- my opinion. In my opinion, um, it's a very touchy subject, and I understand that like people would have an instinct to believe it because it's such a touchy subject. I don't. I as much as I think Lisa is problematic in many regards. I never. I did not ever believe the accusations that Jen was making that she called her children the N word. Yeah, I. That does not sound like Lisa to me at all. Beyond the fact that she's out of touch. Well, she's too calculated. To when the, and I think Jen throws those things out as weapons. I really do. Yeah, I think she used this as, as, as weapons to feel sorry for herself. I, I'm sorry. I think she did that to an extent with while her children, while it was awful and horrific that her children had guns pointed at them when they raided the fucking house. Right, and it's it's it could have gone horrible and disastrous and terrible. I acknowledge that 1,000%. But the for person Jen, who put them in that situation was, was Jen. Jen. Yeah. And for Jen to then make it a... Th- I feel like Jen weaponized that in a way in a time after a very hot-button topic about race in America was being put to the right. forefront in a way that I found really fucking disgusting because she did defraud all those fucking people. Right. Sorry, I do. And it's like... Well, and the thing is, is that if... I remember correctly, Jen herself is not black. I think she's, oh God, I don't want to say one way or the other. God damn it. Um, I, I think she might be part. I can't remember. Okay. I, I, but I, even then, like, it just, it's clear that her husband and her children would experience more issues because they are darker skinned than she is right but my yeah yeah and that's that's all you know so for her to be the only one that is vocal and angry about this is kind of weird but it's not even like but again it's like you don't you make it a thing about like making it about the justice system which is a valid thing to go against and like right and there are genuine issues in terms of like you know again her children could have died 1000 percent with that absolutely but I, I find it so icky when you use it in the sense of like framing it around also and also I am fucking innocent and that's what makes it extra worse. And it's like, I'm sorry, you're not fucking innocent. You're not. You're not innocent in this. And that and I think she I think she weaponizes these attacks. I think she was I were there also stuff about like Heather being racist that was being planted and like all that. I'm sorry. Like I, I, I acknowledge that Salt Lake City is Republican. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I don't think it. I can't. I th- unless there is evidence to the contrary, I th- I found it un unbelievable to me that Lisa said that to children. Yeah, you know, and also I don't. Jen's a liar. Jen's a, f- a documented liar, right. even outside the case. So like I I I don't think taking her. I don't think her word is you know gospel. Yeah. Um. So they play Monica's package. <laughs> God. So then they play Monica's packets and it ends with that fight with Lisa at the roller derby and Lisa walking away and going, Oh, she wants to be Mike me. That's why she has fake Chanel. They come back to the stage and Lisa's laughing at her own comment. <laughs> like it's, it's so Lisa. 
Um, and he goes, do you want to be Lisa? And Maga goes, no, <laughs> like, of course not. Um, Andy says that it was really touching and honest when, uh, Monica was crying to her mom about buying the purse and sort of feeling out of, you know, you know, feeling less than because of her financial situation. Monica describes, and she goes, it wasn't necessarily about the bag. It was about entering this group of women. They look flawless. Their homes are beautiful. They're married. Their kids are successful. You're like, what am I bringing to the table? I'm a whore that's going through a divorce that has four kids and lives in a 3,000 square foot home. This is how I felt. And I, a couple of things. One, I was like, is that a 3,000 square foot home? I don't think that's accurate. I think she's, I think she's fudging a little bit with the a numbers. Little bit. Um, I, I did just check. Jen Shaw is Hawaiian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. She's Polynesian. Okay. So she's not... Yeah, but again, besides the point... She, yeah. yeah, to weaponize like the anti-blackness of the police force when she... It's like, yeah, it's a problem. Monica goes, this is how it felt. This is how I felt. I think every person in their life at one point or another has felt like I don't belong. And Andy's like, I mean, that's probably why it resonated with a lot of people. Andy then kind of transitions and goes... So why were you so annoyed by Lisa caring about this, uh, carrying on about the $60,000 ring? I have to assume if you had lost the $60,000 ring that you would be freaking out about it. <laughs> Lisa then goes, or Monica then goes, Lisa had every right to be upset about losing her ring. What I didn't like was that it was like 60000 60000 60000 And I love Lisa because I only said the price three times. <laughs> Which is not true. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. But maybe even if she didn't, it was like. But yeah. that's the thing that she was harping on. She wasn't harping on this sentimentality that she goes into. Yeah. She did. I mean, she, yes, she did say at the airport it was sentimental, but it was very passing. It, yeah. That wasn't the vibe you get. Lisa goes, everybody processes things differently, and losing that was a big deal. Henry almost died after I had him, and John gave me that ring because he was like, I don't even know if we can have kids anymore. And like, okay, like, like, yeah, like, mm, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna say what I think. No, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna believe Lisa. I'm, I'm with Monica. Fine. If you had told me that story, or even hinted that there was that, like, there was a very deeply emotional, traumatic thing that happened, and that's what this ring symbolizes to you. Is it is you know hope after like going through something awful? Then I can relate to that. I can go, you know what? I understand why this, it hurts so much to lose this. But that's not what you were harping on. You weren't harping on this ring symbolizes something emotional to me. You were harping on it was $60,000. And you were talking about calling your insurance people to get it replaced. And you were talking like all of these things. The yeah. only thing you mentioned was fucking money. Monica goes, but see, that was beautiful. I didn't know about that. And Lisa goes, it's nobody's business, though. And Monica goes, I thought you said that you had just bought that. He had just bought that for you. She goes, no, he didn't just buy that. And I said it was sentimental. You can ask John if you don't believe me. <laughs> like, it was, it was a little, like, I felt like Monica was trying to have a, like, like okay, I can we can have this conversation. But Lisa's I don't even I don't think Lisa was against it. I think Lisa is just so fucking long winded. She has yeah. the, there's a couple times where I just don't write notes of what Lisa said because she <laughs> just talks so fucking much. Like it's like Jesus it's, Christ. It's honestly sometimes worse than to read. Yeah, Lisa goes for me. It's like more than just a ring. It's like saying, oh, that's upsetting me because I lost a ring and I'm upset about it. Doesn't mean that I'm not relatable to the middle class. It doesn't mean that I think I'm part of the one percent. 
And there was all this dialogue online I saw about like, I don't care that Lisa, like, I don't want my housewives to be like in touch with the middle class. Like that's, I will say, I don't care if they are fine, but like for me, if they are fine, I don't think it's a record. I don't think it's a requirement. In fact, I think most times than not, they aren't. And that's like the whole point kind of. Yeah. I will say that I understand why Monica was then going, okay, but like, I'm literally someone who's trying to get into this group and I bought this expensive purse because I needed to fit in and nobody acknowledged it. And like, and she was, and she was very clearly wanting them to acknowledge it. Right. Remember, because like, remember when she was like, Zanny's in the Louie, like trying to like, like, and it was just like, she's just trying to fit in with you girls. And I realized when we were discussing this, I wish Monica in the car when she was talking about it with Lisa and all that, I wish she was more specific to herself and right. was like, I am very self-conscious. I literally was grappling with buying a purse. I wish she had vocalized that to them. Now, but also, she just joined this group. So I, under, I understand why she didn't, but I think that would have had a better chance of it going better right. instead of making it about middle class people generally and the 1% and all that stuff. Right. I think that puts Lisa on the defenses. And would Lisa maybe not have taken it, would have taken it just as badly? Maybe because it's Lisa, but you would maybe have had a better chance. So now looking back, like we just had that discussion that was in the context of what was shown to us on that episode of the show, right? Yeah. Looking back with the knowledge that that Monica at least had some part of reality Von Teese, how much of her framing it that way do you think was about trying to get Lisa to say something problematic? Oh, that's a good point. Like trying to catch her in something. Is to that possible? Is like, because Monica says that her only involvement was the gen stuff at the beginning and she right. had no real involvement after that. So if that is the case, then that's probably not true. But if she was still involved, if she was joining this cast for the intents of getting close to these women and getting more dirt, then could that have been her motivation? Yeah. Who knows? Like, we literally don't know. We don't know the inner workings of her mind. I think it's interesting to ponder. Yeah. Uh, well, because she said, it doesn't mean that I think I'm part of the 1%. Monica goes, well, you're right about that. I was incorrect. You're definitely not the 1%. You're right. And Lisa goes, so I get you're trying to dig me now. <laughs> she goes, I'm, well, she, anyway, Monica, here's the thing. Monica's tone feels like a dick. It does. Sure. Like, but that's her tone that she says everything in. Yeah. She, she, Monica goes, I'm not. I did my research. 1% is like Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> like, it's like, I mean, we said it at the time, like to say Lisa's 1%, like yeah, no. maybe five. Um, Lisa said, Andy asked uh, about the ring and Lisa's like, well, I never found it. And the ring is gone. And Andy's like, where do you think the room asked Monica, where do you think the rumor started uh, that you took the ring? Monica goes, I mean, I think it started over there on that side of the couch. And Lisa goes, it did not start over with me. I didn't start that. Monica says that she basically thought that Lisa and Heather were the ones because it, it got into like Dumois that like it was yeah. being talked about. Lisa goes, no, that's wrong. You're totally wrong. Monica goes, let me ask you this. Why didn't you go online when you saw all the rumors and say, I do not think Monica stole that. And Lisa goes, I don't think I need to do that. We differ on this. We had a discussion. I agree with Lisa. And, and this is why. 
one, Heather then said, because, well, and Heather then also says, it doesn't mean I didn't believe it. Like, just because I bu- thought it could be a possibility doesn't mean I vocalized it or spread it as a rumor. And so if I don't believe it for sure, why would I come out and say she didn't do this? For And that's just generally. Sure. And then second off, with how bad things left in Bermuda, if Lisa would have said that, I would have, if I'm Monica, I would have thought it would be nice, but I wouldn't expect it. Here's the thing for me. I don't think Heather had any obligation because nobody was doing this on Heather's behalf. She was just the third party that believed that this happened. Right. Number one, I completely do not believe Lisa. I think she started that rumor. Number two, when people are, because the rumors got vicious. See, I never saw this. You, there, there are people that are actively like saying awful things online. Yeah. Um, and it does not help that Monica is the only woman of color that is full time on this staff or on this staff, on this cast. Um, I literally was like, is Angie? And I was like, well, I don't know. She, she somebody is, put she her is a, Greek. Somebody put her on a list of being Middle Eastern. And I don't know that that's well, true. Greek. Greek is Mediterranean. Yeah, that's not. But still. That's white. Whatever. Greek is white. We're really just analyzing people for people's races this episode. <laughs> but it's like, but you, you have know, to I when it comes to situations. Yeah, I know your point with the Monica thing. But like, it's like. When it's coupled with that, when it's coupled with the fact that she already got framed on this season as she's the poor one, right. that's already like a bad connotation that's already connected with people of color because of racism. Right. And it's already, you know, like, okay, so now she's poor. Now she's going to steal a ring. So not only is she poor, she's also a criminal. Yeah, I never saw those. So like, like, you know, there's like, there's a stacking of racism here. That's a problem to me. And I don't think that Lisa needed to come out and say she did not steal this. I think she needed to say, we need to take a beat. We do not have any evidence that she stole my ring. And I will say, Monica does say, like, I wasn't in the bathroom until, like, 20 or 30 minutes after, like, you were already looking for the ring. And so that, I think, if that is the case, then, like, yeah, Lisa could say, like, these are the facts. Like, Also, somebody pointed out the only person on this cast that we know has stolen things in the past is Heather. And Heather was in the bathroom at the same time. What did Heather steal? She stole that baguette that was made up. Oh, okay. Like she stole. At BravoCon. Yeah, like she has, she has a, a, she's done some, some minor stealing before. Sure. So. Like people have pointed that out, it's like she was in the bathroom at the same time. Now as you Lisa. now you could say, and I'm not saying I'm not saying this is the fact, but like Monica was in the vicinity when that person stole the clutch from Meredith's store. I'm not saying that th- she should be blamed for that, right? But maybe that's like if like in terms of like proximity or whatever. And people were like, she was actively trying to hide her identity by wearing a wig, and it's like. No, she was just blonde back yeah, then. She just dyed her hair. She didn't have to wear a wig. Um, but my point is, is that there is more evidence to put this on Heather than there is on on Monica. I don't believe Heather stole it either. Yeah. But, like, why are we automatically targeting 
the woman of color. And also, Heather stole the Casamigos bottle on Ultimate right. Girls Trip Season 3. Yep. Boom! Solve the case. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I Like, know. if you're going to pin it on somebody, try somebody that was in the room. Yeah. Who has a history of stealing things. Maybe as a prank. Maybe because she thinks it's funny, but still. Yeah. Like. Lisa, yeah. Lisa goes, I have a new one. It doesn't feel the same. I don't think about it the same. It looks good, but I liked my other one, and I want my other one. Monica then goes, why are you looking at me when you say that? I can't. I wanted to watch it back. Did she look? I don't even think she necessarily looked at her, but whatever. She goes, I don't have your ring. Let me make this very clear because it's really damaging, and actually, it is very stereotypical. And Lisa goes, what's stereotypical? Angie then laughs, and Monica goes, laugh it up, Angie. Laugh it up. Lisa goes, why would it be stereotypical? Monica goes, because you're saying I have less than you, so I would steal it. Like, I thought Monica was going to say, like, because I'm a person of color. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if she was going to go there. Angie then goes, she didn't say you stole it. And Monica goes, why are you talking? Why are you talking, benchwarming bitch? Shut up. Stop talking. This doesn't even involve you, just like most of the season. And we were like, what? That's a good like again. She is good on the fucking clapback. I'm sorry. Like she nails it every fucking time. It like sticks. Um, uh, Andy then gets to the, like her relationship with Jen, and then asks how she would describe it. Monica goes, "I would describe it as we were friends first, and then I was working for her." She puts "working" in air quotes, and then enemies, I guess. And then Andy goes, "What was your job description?" She goes. She needed help at the time with, honestly, her life, which is, like, me. <laughs> yeah. Me all day, every day. Honestly. Um, Monica's like, I would shop for her groceries. I would get her to her meetings. And then Andy asks, was she paying you? And Monica goes, no. Andy is like, so you were taking time away from your kids for a job that, like, didn't pay? And Monica's like, Yeah. That I was like, yeah, that was my first question. Like it, but she says she only did it for a couple months. So I can understand if it's, if, if Jen is like painting this picture of I'm really struggling emotionally and I just can't keep up with all the things that I have to keep up with. Yeah. Why I can see why Jen would like craft a sob story and could then convince someone to be taken advantage well, of. Well, I also wonder how many hours she put in, like, from a... Right. And also, so, Watch What Crappens had, I guess, uh, was, there's a video on their page talking about, apparently, the how Jen and Monica first met was that Monica's husband, now ex-husband, was basically hired by the Shaws as, like, a handyman on, like, one of those, like, Angie's List apps that, like, you can get people for. Mm-hmm. And so that's how Monica and, and Jen met originally. And but that doesn't really come up. I I, I wonder I don't know that it matters. I think that they became friends after that. Yeah. I'm we'll get to it also later. I want there's questions I have about Monica. Monica's I think very also protective of what she talks about her ex husband. And I think she had well, she had mentioned on she had posted a thing online like in the last week about how part of the reason for the divorce was also there was domestic violence that was right. upon her. And I, I wonder if that's also like part of it. People are also calling into question the timeline. And it's like they forget because in the first episode or whatever, when she first talks about her husband and all of that, she divorced him and then they got remarried and are now divorced again. Yeah. So like the affair that happened 10 years ago 
was the first divorce. And then there was a second. And one. then there was a second divorce. Yeah. Everyone asked, like, why would you do that? Like, with like no pay and like all that. Monica goes, honestly, she was my friend. She helped. She needed help. It didn't start like that. We were friends first. And I was like, I can help you until you need somebody. Heather then goes, so you didn't have like, you know, you know, Kim K started as an assistant and, you know, look where it got her and I'll start out as an assistant and see where it gets me. And Monica goes, um, no. Heather then goes, I actually would like for you to hear something, Monica, that you said. And she pulls out her phone and plays a voice recording where, and where, cause apparently she had all these voice recordings from Tanisha where Monica on the voice text is going, fucking Kim Kardashian was a fucking assistant and look at that bitch now. I can fully admit that the whole reason why I was an assistant and putting up with that shit was as a stepping stone, as a learning experience. Now, you have a point about... And let me finish. So Monica then says... Because Andy asked, were you doing it to get on the show? Monica goes, I didn't think I would ever end up on the show, honestly. But why wouldn't I try to get on the show? And... There has been a dialogue online that I fully agree with, which is like, why are we arguing why she got on the show? Like, it doesn't matter, really. Right. Like, in terms of, like, like no one is getting on Housewives for, like, you know. Altruistic reasons. Yeah, like, that's not happening. You're all doing it for fame in some way. Right. Like, so, like, why does it, why does that part matter, necessarily? I don't think it matters. Right. And I think that Monica is right to say, like, so what? Like, who cares? However, I think it's bad on Monica's part that Heather like literally says a statement that she, like it wasn't this. And she, Monica goes, no, it wasn't. And then she plays the statement where she exactly says that. And I think, and I was saying this to you, it's Mon one of the things that Monica and Monica has said, like, this is my karma now that Tanisha is sharing all this stuff and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, you really should stop one filming stuff all the time. And two doing all these voice recordings. Right. Because, it's just like it's not a good idea. Like she filmed that video of her fighting with her mom in her apartment in her home. Right. Why I, don't do that? But that was specifically to show her best friend, like this is how my mom is treating right. me. That was not even about reality Bontis. That was not that was a, a fucking moment where she was like, This is not believable. I have to show the way that my my mom is treating me. This yeah. is totally not okay. And that's fucked up that Tanisha would share that. 1,000%. And, I, and again, I think, I, like I said last week, I think Tanisha's downplaying her role. And I think Heather is, I, I believe Heather's using her for convenience at this point because yeah. she has the information. Yeah. And like that's, you know, fucked up. But in again, I can say it's not great from a friend perspective, but also from like a housewife perspective. And like, like you, it's, you've literally given Heather a treasure trove, right? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, so my issue with this is that Heather's point is that your motivation to be Jen's assistant, assistant was to get on the show, which is 100% not corroborated by that voice text to me. Number one, she doesn't say that in the, in the recording. It says that the reason that she put up with the abuse is as a stepping stone and as a learning something or right. another. Right. She, well, because she says the whole reason I was an assistant was as a stepping stone. Monica is saying we were friends. Then I was her assistant. Right. And, she, like, and Monica then says, when I met her, I didn't even know she was on this show. 
Sure. So that is a, that's to your point. That is there is a there's a key difference there. Right. Like she became her friend, and then Jen was like, "Hey, I need some help here." Do you think you can help me for a little bit until I can afford to hire an assistant or whatever it was, the sob story that Jen spun? Right. Because we know she's a fraud. She's a scammer. She can spin a sob story. Right. Um, so, yeah, of course, like, when you're deciding whether you're going to take on this opportunity for free, by the way, you're thinking, okay, well, like, I know she's on this reality show now. She's got connections to these designers. She's got connections. All Maybe this is some way that I can get into an official assistant role, like where I'm actually getting paid. You know, this is because why else would she be working for free? Like, like, like what we were just talking about, right? Like, why else would she do that? I don't think she thought she was going to get on the show and she says as much, but Heather's trying to make it as if that was her sole reason. Yeah. And also like, this was clearly something that was, said in the middle of a rage rant, whatever you overstate things that are extremely hyperbolic when you are angry and you're screaming. Well, yes, but uh, yes, I agree. I will say, and we'll get to it in like just a bit. Like Monica has to watch that sometimes when you're a housewife because she wasn't at the time, but but, yeah. So, but we'll get to the point where I feel like she does it here in a way. So Monica says, I applied just like everyone else sitting here. And I love Angie because I was referred. And I love Lisa because I didn't apply. I like helped bring the show to Utah because she loves to brag that she brought this cast together. (laughs) Monica goes, I emailed the email for casting. And Heather goes, and you said what? And Monica says, I said, my name is Monica Fowler and your show sucks and your ratings are shit. And it's going to get canceled because you don't have the right cast. And then Andy pulls a face like, excuse me? (laughs) like." (laughs) <laughs> like, and then Whitney goes, wow. Andy goes, did it suck? And that the ratings sucked. And Monica goes, that's what I said. I'm being honest. They show the the email. She doesn't say that. She says it's much more cordial. Sure. But this was also between season two and three. No. When they were openly well, casting. In terms of casting. When they were doing the casting call. Season two was still airing. Yes, but they were openly casting. They knew they were firing Jenny. They knew, like, oh. they they were actively, like, all of this stuff, right? And so, like, or maybe they didn't know yet I was that gonna they say, were firing Jenny. I think Jenny. Jenny's was, like, they found out Jenny's, like, after the reunion film, so probably not. Because so, I think this was before even the episode where Jen's, where Beauty Lab gets raided aired. Sure. What I what I mean though is that this is when she initially said, "Hey, Bravo, here I am." Yeah. Number one, we don't see Jen's, Jen's name mentioned, so again, not using Jen to get on the show. Right. Um. Number two, we don't know how many emails were exchanged. We also don't know if there was another email before season four started casting when she sent another email said season three fucking sucked. So you actually think she sent that email? I think she probably said it more cordially than what she said on the reunion, sure. But I think that she probably said, hey, there's a casting problem here, and I think you need someone like me on the show. See, I think – because I thought Monica was just saying this hyperbolically, like as a joke, like uh, in the moment. But the problem is she delivered it kind of in a serious way. And and like when they were like 
took it in a serious way. She was like, yeah, that's what I said. At and the like, end of the day, we don't know unless Monica decides to clarify and release another email in which she does address the ratings and the right. casting. Because I just think that's a crazy thing to write an email. But like, but I, so that's why I took it as a joke. Right. But I can also understand where you were like, hey, I know you guys are probably going to be doing this sort of thing because the ratings are not great this season. And they weren't in season three. Yeah. Like, sure. So, yeah, I get it. Andy asked about her Secret Service friend saying that there was an active case against Jen. And Monica goes, he didn't say there was an active case. He said, get away from Jen Shaw. She's going to prison. Monica then describes how she reached out to the federal investigator with information. Uh, she says, I think I did the right thing. And I think that everyone here probably should have done the right thing, too, which I think is very pointed. Mm-hmm. And, like, again, it's like. They but, knew a lot more than they acted like they did, I, and they chose not to maybe, say anything. Maybe that's true. I just think that's a bold thing to say when you get again. I don't know if Monica. I don't. I I think Monica's great at this reunion, but I also think in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, you also got to moderate to a certain extent to where they can let you back on the show. Like you have an end to get back on the show, and so when you're basically like, yeah, and y'all guys knew too. It's a. It can be difficult to then like. You're kind of just adding another block to where it can be difficult to get back. Um, Andy asked about the affair with her brother-in-law and Monica says it happened over a decade ago. Um, But she does say the ladies were really great about, you know, when I was discussing it, actually very open. She says it wasn't about bragging and not taking accountability. I don't think taking accountability means self-shame and self-hating for the rest of your life, which I agree and and totally. And we said we loved her openness in terms of that. Mm -hmm. Monica describes it like it was a whole process. She was rebaptized into the church like after it and Heather explains like, yeah, we were talking about like how unfair like that process is and how extensive it, like you have to reread the Bible constantly. And like you're, it's, it's incredibly fucking rigid to try to get rebaptized into the Mormon church. Like it's a lot. And Monica starts to tear up, um, thinking about it. Um, Monica says she's not in touch with her brother-in-law, uh, her former brother-in-law, uh, and then reclarify because Andy's like, so is the brother still in touch? And he's like, and she's like, it's it's her, it's his wife's brother. Like, so it's you know whatever. And Andy's like, oh well, that's an important detail. Monica goes, I mean, it's not. It's still like very shitty. And Andy goes, well, yeah, but like maybe like a little less shitty. And then Whitney goes, maybe a little less inbred. And Heather laughs. <laughs> I'm glad Heather can laugh about that. Um, Monica uh, says, it's hard reliving it. I'm constantly being called a whore online and my comments are nasty. It's wild. Whitney then goes, it hits different when the internet comes after you and tells, and you know, uh, comes after you with nasty things and trolls come after you with nasty things because I too admitted I had an affair and had been called every name in the book. And you think that you're over it and you get on the show and Instagram takes off and trolls come in. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And then Heather goes, the comments really hurt. Yeah. That was kind of like a, yeah, Monica. That's why reality von T's hurt. Like, but again, Monica says her only involvement was with the gin stuff. Sure. And I'm sure we'll get into that in like sure. more parts. Sure. Um, they do a, p- a package about like fresh powder, fresh start and everyone's dynamics on the show. And he asked where Meredith and Lisa stand and Meredith's like, you know, we had some bombs, but you know, I, I haven't done Meredith all episode. <laughs> we had some bombs, but, you know, but me and Lisa are in a better place. And then Andy asked Heather and Whitney and Heather's like, you know, there's still stuff to work on. And Whitney goes, there are many trash issues still like, yeah, but I think like 
Okay, Whitney has no place to talk. We'll get no. to it. I was actually kind of like, Whitney, you kind of failed this reunion in, in, in this sort of dynamic. Andy tells Meredith, watching it back, did it make you see it from Whitney's point of view that when you're backed into a corner, you tend to deflect? And Meredith goes, actually, quite the opposite. He's <laughs> like, no, I'm actually more right. <laughs> she goes, everybody here has their own things that they go through. Whitney lost a friend, and when Lisa approached you, you said, I'm sorry, I can't talk about this right now. Lisa cried about her makeup, and I respected that. I respect people's feelings, and I feel like mine are not given the same respect. At first, I was like, Meredith, you're kind of misretelling the whole like Whitney-Lisa stuff about Whitney's friend. But then we find out she's not. Yeah, what was that? Yeah, we'll get to it. Meredith describes basically, you know, with the thing about her her friend that had the child that uh, was disabled or was right. going to be disabled, and she had talked about once happens live that like she had just gotten that phone call like right, that morning, right? that morning, and also felt guilt in the sense that she wasn't there for her friend. Because of the trip right. and sort of all this stuff and being distant. And so that was building up in her and she reached a breaking point at that dinner. And that's what happened, which I can understand, actually. Lisa goes, do you see, do you see how it can be perceived that way? You know, I hear what you're saying. And uh, Mary goes, yes, I know how it can be perceived that way because most of the women in this group don't care enough to bother asking me. Whitney goes, I do care. That's why I had the conversation with you. couple things. One. I think we discussed it. Meredith should, it's not like, yes, they should ask you maybe if they see you upset, but also you should also be able to vocalize, Hey guys, I'm going through something really bad. But also when you were the perpetrator of the shitty behavior the night before, it is your job to then broach the conversation yeah. of, Hey, I did something shitty. This is why this is what was going on. I am sorry. Right. But also to Whitney say, uh, saying, I wanted to have that conversation. Whitney, like, you wanted to have that conversation when she was blitzed out of her fucking mind right. and speaking different languages. <laughs> like, like you, that's, and also the conversation was, I think you use things, like, you're not going to say that to a, a normal person. They're not going to be somewhat upset, let alone a fucking drunk person. Right. Like, come on. Uh, Lisa says that she sees both sides and realizes now Meredith needs what Meredith needs in those moments. Basically like you, like you're not the type of person like it. Cause that at least is also telling them of like, I'm maybe not the type of person to vocalize that and just like push through. So if I seem weird, maybe ask if I'm doing okay. Like, like that is still like that. No, like telling someone a boundary is still communication. Right. If that makes sense. Sure. But at the end of the day, it is if there is a, a a reason that you are behaving poorly, it's on you. It's on you to communicate that. It's not up to everyone else to find the reason. I, I agree with that. Meredith goes. The reality is, I don't need an excuse. You've all seen me in a multitude of situations where it's if it's too heated, I know it's not going to get to a positive place, so I disengage. I don't need an excuse, and that is a fair. I was like, oh, you got them there, Meredith. Yeah, you, you don't need the excuse. You can just do the disengage bullshit. Yes, but she waits till it gets to an overheated point, and then to say, well, I'm going to disengage when other people are now already heated no, is not fair. Right, the disengagement. Well, he, but that's what she's saying like she's not saying the disengagement is not toxic even though she probably doesn't think that way i think she, what she's saying is like don't say i i pull out a random excuse 
to get out of conversations. I can get out of conversations without that. Right, but the conversation is always when she's deflecting and when she gives the excuse, it's always when she was in the wrong and being held accountable for something. That is totally true. Like, yeah, I'm not saying I'm I'm not saying Meredith is like you know Meredith is wrong here. Meredith (laughs) gaslights a lot, and we'll see it later this episode. Meredith goes so to put it on me, like I'm making up excuses and to trivialize things that were hurting me. It's not nice. It hurt me, and I do. I said I mentioned it in the episode. I do think Whitney did trivialize parts of like when she was saying in her confessional, like her best friend's dog's, you know, uncle's dog, but it's like, okay, but the moments in the past were her dad dying and her nephew almost committing suicide. Those are not like innocuous things. And her parking in a snowbank. Parking in a snowbank. (laughs) Sure. But she doesn't, but, but she doesn't drive. So she probably thought she was going to die. She's never driven in her life. No, she has. It's just been a long time. Sure. She can't remember when. Right. Lisa goes, and Whitney, the same can be said for you. Like, when you lost your friend Shari, I didn't know how to handle it. I do know that I hugged you as soon as I gave Heather all of her things. And I was like, no, you didn't. And what? I, yeah, and she's like, and I asked you, are you okay? And you said that you didn't want to talk about it right now. And I'm like, Lisa, what are you talking about? And then they play extra footage. And yeah, that's exactly what she did. And we were like, well, that's a crucial fucking part of this story. Like, why would you cut that? The only thing that I can fathom is that production was trying to be kind to Whitney. Yeah, yeah. Like, because, so, hey, like, she just went through, like, literally Let's make it look like yesterday. she's in the right. But, like, also, that's really fucking shitty to do to Lisa then. Yeah, and it's like, Lisa, I, I think Whitney is more wrong than ever. Like, like Whitney is typically wrong in arguments. I've said this for a long time. And it really felt like they just threw her a bone here. It's yeah. like, we got to make it look like one of the things that you're correct in. So, like, you don't seem crazy. But then to out it at the reunion. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, that didn't do anything good. <laughs> Lisa then goes, in Bermuda, you said you asked me too many times. That's what upset me. And they play the footage of Whitney saying that at the Bermuda dinner. Whitney goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, don't, you can say no, no, no all you want, Whitney. That's the fucking truth. Whitney goes, or Lisa goes, Whitney, I'm not wrong. I was dancing on egg shows with you and my intention was not to hurt you or be dismissive of you. And Whitney goes, do you see how it looked from my perspective? Lisa goes, I saw how it looked on the show and I know how I experienced it. You can't then say after this, from my perspective, how it looked. That's horseshit. And that's a cop out, Whitney. Yeah. Whitney goes, I told you and Angie exclusively in the days leading up. And Lisa goes, and did I give it, I give you any signs leading up that I was not a friend to you and I wasn't attentive and I didn't care. And Whitney goes, after I called you at my house, which was before that, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Like, so what? Uh, Lisa goes, no, that is not true. You chastise me at your house. Do you need a break? Are you okay? No, because I've given you grace. There are so many things that I've swept under the rug to make sure that we're fine. And Whitney goes, same. And Lisa goes, well, then say what they are right now. (laughs) Lisa literally goes, name them. Name (laughs) them. But also, okay, Lisa, I will give Whitney this. You were in the, the whole reason she chastised you in your house was because of how you acted at her event. Which was fucking terrible. Also because she was like, hey, I need you to keep it quiet if you're going to be cursing. Yeah. 
Mary goes, I think we all have different history, different experiences. And if someone says they're hurting, says that something was traumatizing or upsetting, perhaps the thing to do is to respect it. And if you don't understand it, ask questions. Okay. Like, but also be like, again, Whitney's kind of getting off Scott. <laughs> I yeah. Yeah. Uh, a viewer question gets asked to Angie of why she was so quick to forgive Monica when she was the one spreading the gay rumors, which we were like, no, she, fuck. well, we'll, we'll get to it. Cause Angie also said something else later, but in terms of what we saw on the show, Monica wasn't spreading the rumors. It was Monica was saying, well, this is a rumor that's out there. And it's the only one that I can think that Meredith is talking about Whitney, like, cause Whitney, whatever, we'll get to it. Um, Angie says that, uh, you know, says a lot uh was put on meredith basically and she's like you know that's also why lisa was hurt and lisa goes yeah you know i was very hurt and then angie cuts her off and goes hold on let me finish baby gorgeous and the way that lisa smiled you what did you say you said she has like a pleasure cut. i i think she has a praise king praise king that's that is just like holy shit what did i just witness on this couch yeah Angie goes, I think we knew where it was stemming from, and I gave her the benefit of the doubt, and I was wrong. And then Monica starts laughing. <laughs> Monica, every time Monica laughed at Angie, I really laughed. <laughs> Monica goes, You keep phrasing it as if I started this rumor. Angie goes, You started it on national television. What does that mean? Well, she's the one that brought it up on camera. Yeah. Well, but yeah. But when you come to Monica and ask, What is the rumor? And she's like, what is she supposed to go? Well, I know a rumor, but I'm not going to say it on TV. Right. Um, Andy asked a question to Angie about how she felt seeing Lisa call her weak and a liar. And Angie gives like a full monologue. <laughs> I can't. Angie's so hard to like take notes for. She just really just talks in a run on. She and it's like like she she really I think prepares a lot. And we've said it before. Like yeah. she seems a little too prepared. Lisa goes, I felt really hurt. I looked extremely stupid arguing with her, meaning Monica, because I had no idea you guys made up. I had no idea she told you at Greek Easter that Meredith wasn't, wasn't the star of the rumor, et cetera, et cetera. And basically Lisa being like, I look like an asshole in the fight with Monica, thinking that I was defending you vociferously when you guys made up or whatever. Yeah. Which I kind of get Lisa's point. Uh, Angie and Lisa then just go back and forth a lot. And it's just, it's, it's like... It's it's like Charlie Brown's teacher to me. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Andy asks Whitney, "Do you stand by your Do you stand by your statement that Lisa lacks self aware uh, self awareness?" And before Andy can finish the sentence, Whitney goes, "Yes." <laughs> like <laughs> Lisa goes, "No, I do not." Do I get to defend myself? And then Monica just goes, "Shut up!" Honestly, like <laughs> like you you've been talking for like thirty minutes and you're like you can't defend yourself. Like, come on, Lisa. Jeez. Lisa's like, I just speak in like a different language. And I think it's like East Coast, West Coast. <laughs> and I don't think that's what it is. Whitney goes, no, it's actually when you ignore us after a confrontation. You don't respond to texts. You create distance. And Lisa goes, yeah, I'd rather take a step back because like I told you, I'm a fucking bulldog. I come hard. <laughs> it's like, you could, but you come hard in a regular speaking voice. Like, so it's even when you're not heated, like, yeah. Um, Andy makes a joke that Heather and Lisa are bad leather. And like <laughs> Whitney then goes, that's the shadiest thing you've ever said. It's not. Have you, do I need to tell you like the catalog of Real Housewives like stuff? Like, come on. But also, so I think it was, it was meant to be 
a reference to the shade that Monica threw at the in the finale fight, right? What? Because didn't she say something about her being feather leather? Oh, that she was leathery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I I thought that's what, it, but it wasn't clear enough that that's what he was referencing. Sure. And so it was like, okay, yeah, that yeah, that took a took a little bit of a walk. Um, then we get a package of the rumors and nastiest. Every time Annie had the chance to, he did the impression. Like, he, yeah, he loves that impression. Um, and then they do this whole package, and it's all about the Meredith stuff and like the rumors and all that. They come back from the package. The first question Andy asks is, Whitney, when did Justin stop wearing his wedding ring? Had nothing to do with the package. Nothing to do. I guess it was about marriages technically, but it's like, I don't know why they started with that. Whitney then goes, the wedding ring stopped fitting him, and I wasn't made aware of that. Okay, so wait. We got dragged into this whole, like, him taking off his wedding ring for nothing? Okay, cool. Awesome, Whitney. (laughs) Maybe, again, work on that communication that you clearly (laughs) be working on. Um, but Whitney says they're doing better. Um, Annie, this was on the bonus uh, Peacock thing. I don't know if you watched this part. This part was very interesting to me. Okay. Um, Annie asked Monica then about her divorce because it was finalized in October, basically. Okay. And asked how she feels. Monica's like, you know, we were separated for like two and a half years, so it just feels the same. She's very like placid like she doesn't yeah she's not emotional about this at all or or is definitely presenting that way and he goes i read somewhere that you were getting like six thousand six hundred dollars a month and like child support that has to feel good and and monica goes yeah i guess and he goes no like she's just like it was i i don't know what that reaction was for monica it felt like i think it's because I mean, I know that she has her her blanket thing that she's doing, but she she's probably not making a fuck ton of money off of that. Well, that's... $6,000 a month is not a lot of money to live on, especially in Salt Lake City. Convenient that you bring that up, though, because then the next question from Andy is, in your divorce documents, I guess it said that your company had zero value. And Monica goes, yeah, like when COVID hit, like I basically should like shut everything down. And he goes, so it's not going right now. And Monica goes, you know, like with the show and stuff like that, it's been like really booming. When he goes, when he's like, yeah, I was about to say, like I was, I had helped you with like the photo shoot for it. And Heather says, yeah. And I bought like blankets for like my friends. And then under her breath, Heather goes, haven't gotten them yet, but like, and so then Monica's like, you know, I want to restart it, but like manufacturing stopped. Like when COVID happened, like everything shut down. Whitney then says, Oh, that's interesting. Like that's when like my business was like booming. And I saw a lot of comments from people being like, Yeah, like if you have like a small business, like a local, like you actually did really well typically during COVID. Not everyone, but like, it, like it depends because she's not making blankets. That's my question. I was like, She's getting the blankets from shipped. other places and then packaging them and sending them out. So it probably would have affected her with like the right. um, supply chain and stuff like right. that. Right. Whereas Whitney's making like she's getting um She can locally source things. Right. And that's what I was reading is people being like, if the companies that were like locally sourcing stuff actually did really well because that's where people were gravitating towards and right. et cetera. Um I I will also point out, I don't know if this they bring this up at this point, she did get a PPP loan. Right. She did take out PPP loans. 
They don't bring it up here, but I saw that tweet where it's like she took out like twenty thousand dollars in PPP loans. Monica says though on her taxes for twenty twenty one, it brought in zero dollars, so she just filed zero. Which again with the PPP loan, I don't know enough. I don't have a small business, and I, but like I find that interesting. Heather then goes, but it's active now, right? Like you can buy blankets today. And Monica's like, yes. Meredith then goes. And are people getting them delivered when they buy them because they were complaining online that they were not? And Monica goes, I know, like, I didn't have enough. I didn't expect people to, like, buy that much. I had to reorder, and I've refunded a lot of orders, actually. Yeah. And it's like, I I had totally forgot about her blanket business. Like, it was such a thing in the first part of the season that, like, I completely, like, zoned out on. But, yeah, like, it's interesting that, like, she was, like, the business was dead. I closed the business during covid but I did – she doesn't say it, but the fact that she did take out, like, PPP loans. I don't know. I don't know how – again, I don't know how those PPP loans work in terms of – Right. Like, like are, is that for her own income? Because how, how big is her team to, like, do that business? Like, how, like – I mean, that probably was for her own income because at that point she wasn't divorced and wasn't getting the spousal support yet. And, you know, she – probably wasn't bringing in any money because she wasn't being able to sell the product. So the PPP loan, to me, that's what the PPP loans were for. Right. Because was supposed to supplement the lost business. Yeah. And so if she then had to stop selling because she couldn't get product in, I mean, if you actually sit down and think through everything, it makes sense. Right. It's just people like to jump on and pile on. Yeah, I I, I don't know enough information. So, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. Andy then tells Angie, it was sad seeing Sean getting emotional about the cheating allegations. And I was like, was it? It was kind of funny. <laughs> that scene in the bedroom was really funny to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. In, in terms of how the acting was. Andy goes, you have never heard that rumor before? And Angie goes, no. And I'm going to be very clear because there's a lot of confusion. 30 years ago when Sean and I first met, people would say, oh, that guy's hot. Or he has nice legs. Is he gay? No, that's his wife over there. Once it was established that we were a couple in Salt Lake City, it wasn't brought up. I don't believe that. Not with the way he paints his pants on. I don't believe that it, it had it like halted 30 years ago. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. She goes... To have 30 years later that there's men bragging about the sex. Sean fucks men. This has never come up until this rat came out of the sewer and here it is. And then Monica starts laughing again at her. And she goes, don't act like it's the first time you've been called a rat, Monica. And Monica goes, it's not. That's why I'm laughing. You should come up with something else. People keep acting like Angie cleared in this argument. I don't don't don't, get it. I don't think she cleared here. And I, I, don't, I don't think she cleared it all. I don't think she cleared it all. She will get to, the one at the end, which we'll get to. It's the only time she got any bit of a hit. Because I don't with, even think she did that. But what I mean by that is like Angie has tried this whole season to get her big like quotable line in, and it's never landed. And it's always get always gets jumped on or like pounced on, and she times it terribly all the time. That the one at the end is the only time where I was like, "Ooh!" Even though it's bitchy and mean and fucked up, like eh. uh, Monica goes, and I was not. Th- this I didn't understand from Monica. Monica goes, and I was not mean to you at all during filming. That's not really true. You can't. You fought in Palm Springs, like. But you, you could fight without being mean. You called what her. Is- I mean, she called her a dog. 
Like, I... Maybe. Yeah. And then, oh my God, Angie then goes, you backstabbed me right in front of my face. That's not backstabbing. <laughs> so she's really bad at this. Monica then goes, how is that different than you telling her she lays on her back and spreads her legs, but I'm evil? Angie goes, Meredith didn't pretend to be my friend. Like, so because she was, so it's okay for you to call Meredith a whore. Yeah. Well, okay. that's the thing. Well, Angie basically says later, I did it out of retaliation, so it's fine, but whatever. Andy then goes, Meredith, you never elaborated on the rumors or nasties. He does it every time about Angie's marriage, but you did dangle that carrot to Lisa at the restaurant and Whitney at the airport. What was your motivation if not for them to say the rumor on camera? And then Meredith goes, first of all, I didn't say it was her marriage. And he goes, you said, do you want her to talk about the husband? And Meredith goes, I actually have the exact words. And she pulls out to just read what she said at the fucking thing. She had like a full like stack of stuff, apparently. Jeez. And then she reads the whole quote about like, you know, you want me to talk about the husband, et cetera, whatever. And then Andy goes, well, that seems like you're dangling a rumor about her husband. And Meredith goes, correct. But I didn't say it was her marriage, though, did I? Lisa goes, that's semantics. No, it's not. It's a very clear distinction. Sure, but it's like you're you're nitpicking the word. Like when Andy gave the question, you're nitpicking the word marriage out of it. And it's like you were talking about rumors, right? And the question was, did you want Lisa and Whitney to bring it up on camera? Sure. But again, she was saying the rumor I had was not about their marriage. This rumor that came out was about her marriage. So no, I did not want them to say this rumor on camera. Okay. This is not the rumor that I'm talking about. Sure. Andy then re-asked the question then with like, okay, not marriage, but more broadly, you know, whatever. And she goes, no, in front of Lisa, I was having a reaction to Angie's behavior towards me after I had been heavily provoked, had a couple of drinks and had some other very heavy things on my mind. And I thought she was going to say heavy things in her system. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh God. Uh, Angie goes, based on what Monica repeated, you were threatening rumors that were about my husband's sexuality. It's not right to do this to people with families, with small children, with businesses. I'm a pillar in the community in Salt Lake City. And the way Monica just bust out laughing. Because I busted out laughing at home. But it's just... You're a pillar in the community. Bitch, you have a hair salon. And you have like a, a hair business. Or a hair school. Whatever. Like I just... I get really frustrated when this is so again, Angie is focused on the sexuality and not about the affair. The affair, the affair bringing up this person is having affairs is out there slutting it up around town. Yeah. You know, and that would be damaging to a marriage, to someone with a business, to someone. But, but why would it be damaging that he likes men? Yeah. Why is that a problem? God, it's, yeah. Mer- I just, like, that's the homophobia, not the fact that he could be bi. Right. Or he could be gay. 
Meredith then goes, you had a minute. She pulls out another receipt. She goes, you at a minimum have called me a fraud. I have multiple personality disorders. I'm a lying bitch. You criticize my marriage. You criticize my business. You threaten to take a hit out on my family. You call me a trampoline with eyes. And then Angie goes, that was a compliment. <laughs> what? <laughs> How is that a compliment? She goes, that I used my son as a pawn to take the heat off of me for rumors that I did not spread, that I was going to get fired. So that's why I started the rumors about you. You made me relevant that you threatened me in the cave and then angie goes this is great i do think that i activated you and you're welcome uh, th- this last part actually now that i'm reading it back angie was hitting she was hitting a, cu- a couple times meredith goes i don't need your help angie i can be relevant all on my own angie goes i didn't say you had multiple personalities your voice was changing i truly don't believe that <laughs> yeah the multiple personalities was about like the whole like her turning british in that fight right like, whatever and she goes, and I'd rather call you a trampoline with eyes. That means you have nice, tight skin than, than to say that you're wrinkly. So I take that as a compliment. I, girl, no. Yeah. No. Um, Angie is asked what she meant by marriage, spreading her legs outside of her marriage. And she basically is like, it's something that I heard. And it was, I, and she's like, I'm sorry I said it, but it was in a response to what I felt was an attack in terms of the rumors. Meredith goes, don't you want to be better rather than do worse? If I want to one up everything that you said about me, it'll go south really fast. (laughs) How dare you respond in kind? Yeah, exactly. Viewer, there's a viewer question about uh, how Whitney used Monica to bring up the rumor on camera. And I'm like, yes, thank God. Someone's finally pointing out that this was Whitney's doing. But then Whitney goes, it's absolutely not true. I never knew what the rumors were. Like, and like, okay, she starts. Monica then interrupts and goes, first of all, I don't blame Whitney for what comes out of my mouth. I say what I want to say, so I don't want her to get blamed for that. And Whitney goes, thank you for that, Monica. Monica, let her, like, no, she is the blame for that. Why is Whitney getting off scot-free on this? Yeah, I I agree, but I also feel like Monica's like, shit, I've got to get back on this show. She's like, maybe Whitney. Maybe Whitney's my end. Yeah. Monica goes, or Angie goes, I just want to say that Monica was determined for this to come out about me, this alleged story. And Monica goes, no, I wasn't. She go, Angie goes, because she went around to everyone in this group and said that they were rumors about me in the first week of filming when I thought that we were friends. And that is, if that's true, that's in, that is interesting in terms of that and, and why I can see see angie being more angry at monica if that's true and that's a big f monica goes i literally did not ever and angie goes i'm talking keep your big mouth shut this is my marriage this is my moment you have no respect for love and marriage and monica goes this is your moment you're right you finally made it four seasons later Annie then goes well, she can say that about you too. (laughs) And then but monica if you hear closely goes i didn't apply for four seasons right like, like, Angie literally has been vying to get on this show since season one. Monica's only been trying since season three. Yeah. And it does make me think, I, that, that was another part where I was like, does Angie like Monica? I think the, the or does uh, Andy like Monica is what I mean. Like, I feel like the ratings comment was like, 
It was like when I think he's just salty. He is. He's a salty bitch sometimes, and he yeah. can, like he he has his favorites, and he doesn't like to be insulted. That's very yeah. clear about Andy. Then my Andy, uh, Angie then goes off. She goes, "Bitch, I deserve to be here because I checked all of the boxes. Fucking Range Rover under a fucking carport, spending your kids' money on a fucking purse. You're irresponsible, and you're sending a bad message to your daughters." I was like, Jesus. Okay, so you made fun of her for being poor. Fucking, Great, fucking that, Range, as much as mean it is, fucking Range Rover under a fucking carport is funny. <laughs> I, eh. You put and that in a garage like a rich person. <laughs> you spent your children's money? No. She spent her money. Sure. She's the adult. She gets to spend the money how she sees fit. Yeah, and she's getting 6600 She's fine. So, like, I don't, mm, I don't understand. Monica goes, keep my fucking kids' names out of your fucking mouth, you piece of shit. And man, she goes, fuck off, bitch. Fuck off. This was also great on censored, by the way, on the Peacock version. I'm sure. It's fantastic. Uh, and that's the big co- co- collision as we end the first part. A really good first part of the reunion. Yeah. Um, it seems like the next part will feature Mary, Mary heavily. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and it seems like she's going to come to Monica's defense, which should be very interesting. Yeah. I don't know how Mary... I don't know if Mary's going to be good at that, because... I, I don't either, but I'm interested to see her try. I, I'm I'm, I'm going to be glad for her passion, but I don't know if she can, like, do a, like, solid argument. Yeah. Also, people point out... I know this is, like, we'll talk about it when we bring up more of the Reality Von T stuff, but... Did... I, I'm sorry, but the... The Heather and who went with Heather to Mary's church to try to get dirt on her? Oh, Jen. How is that any different? Yeah, we don't talk about that. What Monica was doing, trying to gather things. I just, I'm sorry. It just, I, I, there's a lot of hypocrisy. Yeah. There's a lot of hypocrisy on the outrage about reality, Von Teese. Yeah, I agree. You're just mad because you got your shit pulled into the light. Fuck yeah. off. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, let's go over to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I really like this episode a lot, actually. I think it was like, it was, I'll say this. I thought this was Kyle's best episode in certain ways. Sure. You, you Okay. Okay. Uh, here's the thing. I don't love Kyle. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm like team Kyle at this point, but I thought that Kyle had a better I, range of things. And like, I thought it was, I did, I did really enjoy the wine tasting thing like mm-hmm. that was that was fun and it felt like the cash really like was cohesive and they i they also kept emphasizing like aren't we having so much fun like like <laughs> this is what we do we fight but we have fun like this is what i love like we're having fun aren't we having fun can't it be like this all the time it was very much like a fuck you lisa Rinna. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it, it also like i don't know why but the way you just said that made me think of the heather dubrow Come on, everybody, sit down. This is going to be fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So we start the episode and everyone's arriving at uh, Kyle's house because they're going to Ojai for uh, Anna Marie's birthday. They're going to celebrate. Um, Garcelle and Sutton are in the car together driving. Sutton goes, I'll never do Taco Tuesday. And Garcelle goes, I never want to see a taco, let alone a Tuesday taco. <laughs> and somewhere Emily Simpson was like, I'll take the taco. <laughs> Um, Garcelle tells Sutton about how she saw Dorit the night before, and she's like, I let things go with Dorit. Sutton goes, 
did she acknowledge and understand it? And Garcelle goes, long story short, I'm moving past it. <laughs> so the answer is no. And I, but that's what we kind of like what we were talking about with like Potomac. It's like, yeah. As much as Garcelle shouldn't move past it, and I actually, to a degree, I'm like, oh, God, Garcelle being the bigger person and swallowing it. At a, at a certain point, it it um, lets Dorit off the hook. Yeah. And so Dorit just thinks she can keep getting away with this shit. But at least it led to a good episode. You yes. know what I mean? And, a, and yeah. an episode where I wasn't pulling my hair out. Yeah. Um, Garcelle, uh, says, well, we're doing the wine tasting. Like Kyle's not drinking. Like, what is she going to taste? And son goes, she's going to taste water. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I will agree to disagree. It is hard to do like these, like, like these people who are off alcohol and stuff like that, going to these like wine tastings and like, they do it all the time on these shows on Bravo. It's yep. like, yeah. Um, Erica's not coming cause she has COVID. So she's basically out. For this yeah. Episode. She looked, she looked, I mean. She looked awful. Like, she looked sick. Like, she looked like she was going through it on that video call. Yeah. They all head out into the Sprinter. Uh, Anna Mar- they're drinking and having a good time. Anna Marie says they're professional. Sutton and I have had, like, a rocky start, to put it mildly. But you know what? I'm going to have a good time. I hate when people, like, again, it's like, you're the reason you've had a rocky. Like, it's, it's like if you would just, like, not be an asshole, like, you <laughs> yeah, would be fine. Literally. Um, Sutton then tells everyone in the car about her date with Steve and they celebrate cause she got a second date. And so it's a big deal for her. Um, and, and it, I don't, unless they faked it really well, I do feel like everyone was like genuinely like happy and like sort of like interacting with each other in a way that didn't feel like produced. And, yeah. Yeah. It definitely felt light and just happy and all of that. Yeah. It felt good. Also Sutton has this fucking giant ass, like portable water bottle like you know the really big like gallon ones mm-hmm. or whatever. and she like burps at one point during the- this also is a this episode is full of um the Sutton is a walking contradiction stuff with in terms of like I'm part of the American Ballet Foundation I can't be around this filth and then the stuff that she does this fucking episode where it's did, like did you see when they were talking about the um the the water bottle on the bus where Kyle makes where she's going to lean forward and grab the water bottle to like check it to see if it's vodka, but she backs off and oh, doesn't I do it. That. She like, she like makes for it, but then she just decides better and leans back and doesn't wow. do it. I know she was going to make a joke about checking about vodka. That's, f- you know, that's what she was going to do. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Go back and watch it. If you if you're not remembering that, go back and watch it. She specifically leans and grabs for the bottle, but then she just pulls her hands back and doesn't do it. It's like, bitch, you knew you would have got red for filth if you tried that shit on this trip. Yeah, you, you we're playing nice now. That's the part that we're in, Kyle. We're playing nice. We made it nice. Uh, the ladies go out to go shopping. Oh, my God. They go into this, like, oil, like fancy, like, artisanal oil shop. And Dorit, of course, is speaking Italian to the fucking shop owner. <laughs> and Crystal literally turns to sudden, this poor woman is going to be in here for seven hours. Like... <laughs> It's not a fucking trip unless Dorit, like, test out her accents. Um, oh, my God. Kyle is so, like, Kyle gets a montage where it's just, like, all of, like, you know, her wine. Oh, I want to go in this store. I want to go in this store because she's, like, a shopaholic, basically. Uh-huh. Um, you could say it's the cope for things. Um, <clears throat> and then she, then there's, these, like, random people carrying all of Kyle's bags from when she went shopping to the car. Well, she literally, when they're checking out, she goes, 
hey, can you spare someone to bring this back to the Sprinter van with us? Yeah, and it's just like random people like off the like, street. Why do you have 80 bags? Uh, Kyle goes, can we find a spot for our shopping bags? I mean, if we have to leave one of the girls, it's fine. That I thought was funny. Yeah. Kyle's jokes landed this episode in a way I appreciate. Yeah. Um, they all arrive to the winery for the wine tasting. Um, Kyle says, because they're all just enjoying the scenery and all that stuff. Kyle tells, tells everyone, like, this is how, like, I want to live, like, live, like, quiet and away from everybody. And then she elaborates in her confessional. She goes, I will always have a love for Los Angeles, but I don't feel as connected to it as usual. One day when Porch is done with school, I'm going to find a place to live that's more conducive to what makes me happy. And I was like, oh, that's really fascinating because, like, that's, like, almost like giving you a timeline to, like... Get off the show. And to say that explicitly, I think, like, I actually think Kyle means that. And I think, like, it it made me rethink some of this, like, sort of, like, she's faking it sort of things. I think there's stuff she's playing up for, like. I don't think that the Mauricio stuff is fake. I think the Morgan stuff is fake. See, I don't know. I I don't even know if the Morgan stuff is fake on her end. I think she maybe is using it as a weapon in certain ways to like make people like make Mauricio jealous or like do certain things to like poke in a way where I think that we'll get to it. Mauricio has made her feel jealous in certain ways. And so she feels like she's returning the favor. Right. We'll, we'll get to that. But like, I actually don't know if it's fake. Somebody, I don't know. Somebody, and I don't know that it is fair to really do, but somebody I saw was saying that maybe Kyle had a relationship with this ex-best friend that died. Uh, and she's, like, trying to recapture some of that with Morgan. Or maybe wanted or had, like, feelings that she thought were just friendship feelings. That, and then that's speculation. I understand that. but like, Yeah. But it's like, it could explain some of that. Yeah. You know? And it just like makes me think about and reconceptualize some things, but still, I don't know that I believe this stuff because it's too, it's so showy, you know, like she makes a point to make a point and it's like, stop it. Yeah. Stop it. You don't have to. Right. Um, Yeah. Um, They all sit down to eat and Kyle says, we're all going to play a game where we pick these like questions. I saw some people being like, this is like the third time they've done this, this, this season. They really need to stop doing it. Because someone said it feels like like office, like team buildings instead of like yeah. an actual, which I agree with them, you but know, sometimes. kind of worked this episode. Yeah, sure. Uh, they do like these like funny things where like Sutton volunteers to like lick Kyle's toe. Like, you know, again. <laughs> and stick her tongue in Dorit's mouth. Yeah. It's like, again. I think it is a little bit of a contradiction. What you're, I think she was using an excuse for the magic mic stuff, right? The, yes. So I think that's why it's a contradiction. But yeah, uh, Kyle tells them to pull. Uh, or pulls the one that says to give your best orgasm. Crystal orgasm face was way too like real. <laughs> it was that <laughs> yeah. sort of look, and it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, Sutton pulls one that says. What is appropriate for husbands when it comes to communicating with other women on social media? And Dorica's, you're not supposed to be communicating with other women on social media. That's the rule. Kyle then goes, I, I mean, yeah, like I've had fights with Mo on that. Like I hate that stuff. Liking people's photos, following people. And it's kind of like people are like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Kyle elaborates in her confessional. She goes, Mo gets a lot of DMs from women. They don't care that he's married, and they're always the aggressor. And it makes you realize that there's really a lot of fucking assholes out there. 
but I don't, I don't think Kyle believes in her head that there are, I think when, to say they're always the aggressor, to explicitly say that is to like tell yourself that to make yourself feel better. Yeah. It also could be that that's what he's telling her and she's choosing to believe that. Yeah. On the after show, Kyle was pretty much, I would say much more explicit in terms of like Mauricio was liking photos and I was really right. annoyed by that. Right. Like, and well, but he was probably liking photos and then someone would message him because he's liking all their photos. Right. And they, and they, she was saying they skewed a lot younger too. Yeah. It was like, do, do you watch the videos of Mauricio in Aspen with like Lele Pons and like, mm-hmm. I thought it was inappropriate. I, I think that he could literally be their dad. Yes, but I could also understand why he would go, Hey, like I did this show with these women who are also like Hispanic and Latin. And like, I just kind of want to make that connection. Yeah. It just felt a little too like trying to like, it felt like a little midlife crisis. And in fairness, Kyle's going through that too. So like, what's the difference? Right. But like, like we only villainize it when it's men. Yeah, that's true. Um, Anna Marie blows out her candles. They have her cake for her, but it's so awkward. She blows out the candles completely. And then there's just like two seconds of just like silence after they cheer. And Kyle goes, would you ever date a woman? It was very, do you ever think about death? Yeah. It, it, <laughs> and, and from the Barbie movie. And it's like that. It's like, you're looking for something. Yeah. But I don't know if it's like, because it's fake. Like that's the, I, she could be looking for this to introduce this, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's because it's fake. Garcelle says, yeah, there are times that I think about it, to be honest. Crystal then asks Kyle, would you? And Kyle goes, um, yeah, maybe. I think he, I told this to you. It reminded me of when, so when I, I came out when I was 22. So I came out pretty late and I discovered pretty late that I was gay. Um, and I, I came out to like my mom and my brother, but in terms of like my friends and stuff like that, it was a lot more difficult to sort of broach that in, in certain ways for me at least. And I remember like, posting like a social media post that was like something about like a relationship and it would have people be like, Oh, okay. And it would like almost be like hoping that they would say something to where then I can say, yeah. And by the way, I felt that was kind of what this felt like. I don't know. It just doesn't. (sighs) Yes. It seems like she's fishing for people to dig. But knowing Kyle, the reason she wants people to dig is so that she can then be a victim of people digging into her personal right. life. Yeah, yeah. And, and not because she wants to be honest and vulnerable with people. And she has put them in a situation where, like, if they do ask questions, it's like, well, you already, like, or, like, have set the standard of, like, you treated me like shit because you've asked about my marriage. And so, therefore, right. Garcelle or whoever, like, would look like a fucking asshole. So. Right. So, like. It seems to me more like a trap than it does for as an opportunity for her her to be honest about her life. I can see that. Like I, that makes sense. And that's why I just that's part of the reason I just don't believe the Morgan shit Mm. because she just keeps dangling this poisonous carrot in front of people. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I understand. And that was my position in the beginning of the season. Definitely. I again, I don't know. Uh, if they, if there's if they're faking it, they're faking it real fucking well. 
And and I think. Well, the, they're just so heavy handed. No, I agree. Kyle is always so heavy handed with shit, right? And it's always with shit that she's manufacturing. So this just seems like another thing she's manufactured. Yeah. Case in point is this fucking scissoring thing that comes next. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Kyle brings up the concept of scissoring. Lesbians don't scissor. They don't. It's a myth. Like, that is that is something that straight men came up with and put in lesbian porn. Because let's face it, lesbian porn is for straight men. Lesbians watch gay porn. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that has been my experience with my lesbian friends. They watch gay porn. Yeah. I also will note, so Garcelle says in her confessional as well, Kyle a few years ago was shocked when we were talking about like threesomes or making out with women. And now she's open to a relationship with a woman. I don't know much, but I think there's a country song somewhere in there. Yeah. And it's like, I love the way that it's like, they know what they're like. The like, I mean, clearly wherever this confessional was filmed, but it's like, I'm not going to say that it's Morgan, but like wink, wink, you know, etc. Yep. And Kyle basically talks them, tell, tells them about that they're invited to her celebration of life she's doing for her friend, Laureen, um, who passed away and that, you know, Morgan's going to be playing and all this stuff. So, yeah, we're going to get to that later. Um, we do see this quick scene with Garcelle making dinner for the boys at the home. And again, love her the, kids are dicks. I, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So he, she literally has a full lasagna that she puts in the oven for dinner. And fucking Jade goes and gets a bowl of cereal. And Garcelle is pissed. She's just. It's like. It literally just needs to melt the cheese. I don't. What are you? The, every the whole thing's cooked. Jade's like it's just a snack. Like and it's like okay. You don't need a snack before dinner. And of course, I'll literally at one point goes choke on that. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> but she talks about like you know the boys are going to go in college soon-ish. They're like fifteen, but like close. So she's like wanting to you know she's worried about the time you know mm-hmm. that's left. Um. The topic of sex comes up, and of course, they were like, oh, no, we're not talking about sex with you. That's not even the whole thing. Jade then goes, well, I'm looking forward to getting out of here. Oh, right, right, right. Fuck you. No, I think it was Jax that said that. Yeah, Jax was the one that said, like, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to leaving. Jax. Jax, They were both dicks in this conversation. They were, but Jax, I will say, Jax does have a tendency, like, with that and, like, the stuff earlier in the season... He needs to be a little more careful with how he talks to his mom about, like... Yeah, it's just... It's rude. That kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and... Yeah, it's 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 fun, and, like, they have a good banter, and it's great. But, like, yeah, those moments, I'm like, yeah, be nice to your mom. She's going through a lot right now. She's dealing with an idiot Dorit. And, like, fucking, yeah. like, you know, cut her some slack. Um, we then see Dorit at her house um, with PK, and she's having Sarah, her therapist, over the house for a session sarah rings the doorbell and pk goes that's her and dorit goes go get it baba and pk goes okay and then dorit or sorry and then pk stops at before the door to eat pizza and dorit's like really like what the fuck like she's standing outside like you're such a dickhead i'm sorry pk's a dickhead like (laughs) uh, or or as the brits would say it a bell end yes but it's not even like he thinks it's funny like he didn't do that like just for no reason oh god damn him um dorit says that after the break-in like pk wasn't there for her like physically and emotionally so like that's one thing that she really wants to address here they start the session with sarah Dorit then goes, 
I feel like you don't un- quite understand the severity of the PTSD and largely the surprise element. I try to tell you and you just had a reaction that was very dismissive. I had to pause because I was like, I looked at Merle. I was like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Oh, you you mean the fact that that's exactly how she reacted to Garcelle talking about her microaggressions? Literally, like, I was trying to explain it, and then you got defensive. And, well, and not even just that, but that I don't think you understand the severity. Right. And also, it's like a form, like, it's a form of trauma. Both elements are a form of trauma. Right. Like, the fact that the entire black community has this collective trauma generational and lived yeah. trauma like fuck off yeah dirt, she sucks <laughs> pk goes does ptsd require you to discuss it there and then is that ptsd and dorit goes that's a really shitty thing that you're saying the sarah jumps in and goes i don't think it's shitty he's saying you know her timing is off couldn't she table uh that and i'm like it is kind of still shitty even with that tone but i think like He's like, PK's referring to that whole pretty woman dinner. And then PK goes, there isn't a freaking husband in the world that would have taken kindly to what she said when she said it after what I had just done. Do you understand? It felt a little bit like a fuck you. I can understand that. I, I like from like, think about it from his point of view, right? He's like, well, I just organized this, this thing that I was doing to be nice to my wife and was trying to make something special for her. And do this really thoughtful thing, which, by the way, it was a package that's offered by that in hotel. In the hotel. <laughs> so it's not like he did that much. But he still, like, organized her people to be there, organized all he these dresses in the, to come I would say in. That. He flew in that fucking band, that famous band of... Right, which played a song that's not from that movie. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, they, you know, they still did a thing, right? Sure. He, he tried to do something special for her. And for... Her first thing for her to say was, I really don't appreciate this. Yeah. I just don't like the surprise. That's just, like, hold on to that. And, like, mention that, you know, maybe at a later date. Maybe, you know, three days from there after it's kind of weaned. Like, after that, you go, hey, by the way, I really appreciate the thought that went into this and all of the effort you did. Would, can you perhaps plan these sorts of things with me in the future to avoid any sort of surprising and triggering of my PTSD. Yeah. Uh, Sarah explains PTSD is born in anxiety. It isn't a good surprise or bad surprise. It's just something that catches you off guard. So your instinct is to walk around ready for something horrible to happen all the time. Again, and, and to really goes perfection, Sarah, again, you can, that can describe microaggressions as well. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. Um, PK then goes, there are elements that I understand. There are also elements that I don't consider are PTSD. I don't. I consider they're more obnoxious. And when this was played in the, the, the like lead up, I was like, oh, that's awful to say. That's really terrible. But then they put the flashbacks into what he's talking about, which is the, well, I really need my bronzer to go with this dress. And like, yeah, no, that's her being like extra. PK says, the reality is when does high maintenance blend into PTSD? And it's like, yeah, those things are not PTSD. Like, yeah, that was always Dorit. Yeah. Dorit's always been like that. Dorit goes, PK, it's like you're reaching. We're talking about specifically certain triggers. 
Um, it, I guess, but like, again, yeah, it's like, I, I do think Dorit, maybe unconsciously, but I, I think Dorit uses her PTSD a little bit as an excuse at times. I think Possibly. she definitely, I mean, we're seeing it with like the Garcelle stuff. Like, right. like she definitely weaponizes it. I think, I don't, th- and that's not to say it doesn't exist. Right. But I think that it comes up in very convenient times that I don't think it applies. Right. Sarah asks what she wants uh, him to do. And, and Dorit goes, if I tell him, PK, I'm not good right now. I need him to understand. She's having an episode. I need to go comfort my wife, which that is a fair, like, you know, thing to expect. Also, just to point out, PTSD does not trigger any time you were surprised. If your PTSD was caused by an event that was maybe loud noise, then any sort of specific loud noise would be, would the... be the trigger. Um, in her situation, I would expect someone cornering you or um, feeling like you can't escape right? or to be um, alone and someone barge in a room on you. Like I can understand that that those would be triggers. I don't think that a step and repeat at a party where, you know, there's going to be press is a trigger Yeah, that those are, those are separate things. And we really need to not weaponize and like, um, not even just weaponize, but also like dilute what PTSD is. Yeah. PK says it is confessional. Dealing with the pressures of having to manage your career and your job and travel and keep the missus happy is always a challenge, which I'm also like, what is his job again? I can't, like, what does this man do? Something in the music industry, but I don't know what it is. I think, because that, isn't that the connection with, like, Boy George and... Yeah, I just don't know what he's, like, what's... Who are who is he working with now? Like, yeah, I don't know. And PK goes, and this isn't a one sided thing. We need to keep each other happy, and we need to be sometimes be wrong, which has always been a challenge for Dorit's. And it's like, oh, you're and an then he smirks, and then he smirks in the confessional, he and I'm a, like, Bro. I can never get behind him, even when he's like somewhat right in these arguments, right? Because like, he's, he's such a dick about it. He's such a misogynistic like asshole sorry uh pk tells uh Dury, of course i want to understand it but you've got to give me a chance to understand it and you've got to articulate it just a little bit calmer i'm not seeking to irritate you i'm seeking to understand it pk then like starts to tear up and then Dury goes baby i don't understand baby she like climbs into his chair with him it's like you you're acting like a golden retriever right now. It's so like, weird. I I can just squeeze in right here. I, no one will notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then we go the next. Uh, I'm assuming the next day. Uh, the ladies are all getting ready for Kyle's event. And they're doing glam, and then Kyle gets in her car, and who's in the car? Fucking Teddy. Teddy's here. Cool. <laughs> I she I I'm, I I. With the stuff that's been happening with the Trace Amiga stuff, I am only on Vicky and Shannon's side solely from the fact that the other side has Teddy on it, by the way. <laughs> I believe Teddy fucked up that relationship. I fully believe it. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that I'm against Tamara. I don't I don't have enough info to really pick a I, side. I can, I can see a realm in which Tamara is right in the argument. Like, she's all the facts are on Tamara's side. But I think Teddy's exploiting it and pushing oh, her emotions. sure. I don't trust a damn thing that Teddy does or says. I saw a clip from their podcast where Teddy was like, Vicky's never supported you. She never fucking has your back. That's not true. It's, it's a little, like, and also you've been here for what? 
how however many years like go away nap yeah <laughs> we'll get to it um and then morgan also joins them in the car because i guess all three of them are friends like that, yeah. that's how they've like connected um morgan wanting to see like kyle's like pinky ring and like checking it out it is very like lovey-dovey i feel between them whether it's like conscious or not um oh my god when they get to the fucking venue like Morgan's going up to do like her sound check or whatever. And Kyle's like going over with the party planner and the party planner is like, okay, so like, this is the plan we're going to do blah, 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 et cetera. And then Morgan starts playing and Kyle goes, Oh my God, just one second. I need to listen to this. I love this song. And like, it's, that's where I'm like, that seems a little performative. And then she pulls out her phone and starts recording it. Yeah. It's like, girl, stop. What are you doing? Kyle says in her confessional, Morgan's lyrics really spoke to me because she's so raw and honest. And I admire that in someone, particularly as someone who struggles with that myself, which I thought was an interesting admission on Kyle's part of like, okay, I'm not always honest and I'm not always vulnerable. Yeah. I think that's fair. That's fair. And I would say an accurate critique of herself. Yeah. I don't know that she's doing it in the most, um, honest way, but sure. Sure. So I'll, can we also talk about this song that Morgan is performing? Part of the lyrics are, you say I'm too young for you. You're scared I'm too right for you, which I think is way too fucking on the nose with the Kyle stuff. Uh-huh. But also, that aside, this was a weird song for a memorial. They literally talk about getting naked and doing it on the floor of the kitchen, I think. Yeah. It's like... This and, is a- and everyone, including like uh, Lorene's mother, has to be like really like sentimentally like w- listening to the song, and it's like, what are we doing? What is this song about in this context? Yeah, I didn't understand that. Um, Kyle shows Morgan her speech that she's writing, and Kyle's like nervous. She's like, I don't know if I can do it. Morgan's like, you got this, like reassuring her. So it's very like she's Morgan's support system, or Morgan is her support system we'll get to part of that um guests then start arriving there's also a moment so kim is there and literally they're at the step and repeat kim and kyle and kyle goes morgan will you get in there with kim and me that's very strange to like your best friend like oh i need to make her in this photo with like my sister and then also the middle of the photo yeah between this um, strange it's strange okay so garcelle then walks in (laughs) And then Garcelle sees Teddy and then in her confessional, she swats like away, like flies and goes, Oh, sorry. I'm just, it was just a gnat, <laughs> which I'm like, great Garcelle. And then Garcelle, like she says hi to whoever's next to her. She then says hi to Teddy. She goes, hi, how's it going? And then, uh, 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 fucking Teddy goes, hi, the gnat is back. And Garcelle's like, ha <laughs> And walks away and ignores her. She made her dust. And also, fuck off, Teddy. Like, you're not going to, like, try to reclaim. Teddy was saying, I was just trying to break the ice. And, like, you know, because I know it was a memorial. And so, like, I didn't want to. Because it's a memorial, don't make the fucking joke. Like, she's fake. Garcelle's faking with you. She was literally like, hi, how are you? She wasn't, like, ignoring you. Right. Don't, like, reference that in, like, like. Teddy sucks. And Teddy knew she was mic'd, by the way, too. Right. And, like, well, and all these Garcelle haters, they were like, Teddy ate her up. The Garcelle <laughs> was gagged. Teddy, Teddy ate as much as the people who were on her diet plan. She ate about as much as a gnat could. Yeah. Um, Kyle then hugs uh, Lorene's mother, Sugar, and they cry. And it's very, like, it, yeah. it feels like 
in on a real moment. Um, but Sugar then asks, is Mauricio here? And she and Kyle has to say that Mauricio is out of town on business. And Kyle says they're confessional. Had this been a few years ago, I would have really relied on him on a night like tonight. And I do think it's kind of messed up that Mauricio wasn't there. Unless it was like an explicit thing. That I he think couldn't Kyle have. told him not to. You think? I think Kyle did not want him there. Because she didn't want to have to deal with being normal. Notice she has not had Mauricio around any of the girls this season. Yeah. So, and Dorit's explicitly said, like, we haven't seen them together in a while. In two years. Yeah. Since they met uh, Morgan. So, like, yeah. I don't think she wants him around the rest of the women because she then has to treat him like a husband. And she can't do that. Yeah. So she told him not to be there. That's my conspiracy theory. I mean, that's, a, that's not a... Un- I mean, that's a very interesting theory. Like, I and I think she did feel... She felt relaxed here. I will say this. Yeah. She felt a lot calmer. Yeah. And I think that's, I do think there is a part of it where it's like she didn't have to perform. Yeah. Um, Garcelle says they're professional. Kyle coming alone to this event without Mo says a lot about where her relationship is and maybe is not trying to hide it after all. And it's like, okay, like. like yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think anything with Mo is fake. I think that they are like all of the the I'm done with you, I'm over it, we're moving on. Yeah. Like all of that is real. And I think maybe she's playing a little bit, especially like in that first episode about the tattoos and all of that stuff. Well was she a, implied on was the after up. she implied on the after show that that was directly after one of those like DM fights. Right, which is why he said why like you don't do this to be rebellious. Like if you're if you want to get the tattoos, get the tattoos, but do it because you want to. Right. Not because you're trying to piss me off. Yeah. Which is what he was saying. But, but now we know why she was pissed off and I think right. that's really illuminating. Which is why she was so performative in that even though it was a real fight that they were having. Yeah. Um, Garcelle then goes to, to sit down with Crystal and Anna Marie. And Crystal starts like asking about Garcelle's boys, how they're doing. She's like, yeah, they're doing great. Anna Marie then goes, guys, not to change the subject. And I'm like, oh, here we fucking go. Like, you've been gone for <sighs> two episodes and this is your fucking reintroduction. Guys, let's not change, you know, not to change the subject, but Sutton, you know, you guys know her best, you know, and I'll... One, why does Anna Marie know that they know Sutton the best? Crystal and Garcelle. Someone called Kelly Ben Simone to call this woman a fan. Right, exactly. And she goes, so, you know, with Sutton, her small esophagus. And Crystal's face was already like, oh, for fuck's sake, we're talking about this again. And it was like me. That is me watching this show right now. Like... Anna Marie goes, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but it's driving me bananas. Well, at least you can admit, like, what we all know. Yes, you are absolutely beating a dead horse. So then why do you keep beating it? Garcelle literally goes, okay, so I have a question then. Why do you care? (laughs) Anna Marie goes, I care because I'm in healthcare. And it's like. Okay, bitch. Garcelle's face was literally like, are you being for real fucking right now? Like, this is so, like, come on. Anna Marie then goes, I scoured all of my medical books. I went to work. I asked anesthesiologists. I asked EMTs. That makes you a crazy person. I'm sorry. Like, this is really consuming your life to that fucking degree. Also... 
again, EMTs are not likely to deal with a small esophagus. Yeah. <laughs> Anesthesiologists deal with a trachea, not an esophagus. Like, I don't understand why you're asking these people when they literally are not dealing with that. Yeah. She goes, they say that you can say that to a lay person, but if you say that to someone in medicine, you look stupid. I you look stupid. You look real fucking stupid right now. I guarantee you also they didn't say it like that. Right. She goes, small esophagus is not the reason. Did you have an eating disorder? And Crystal goes, like, Crystal's like, are we fucking doing this right now? And Anna Marie goes, because a lot. And Crystal's like, because, like, obviously, like, that's a very touchy. And then Anna Marie grabs Crystal's arm and goes, let me explain. Let me explain. Like, cutting her, like, don't want, don't fucking grab me. Like, what are you doing? She goes, a lot of acid reflux or regurgitation can cause scar tissue in your throat. Yeah, you can also get that from GERD. Like, yeah. just acid reflux. Right. That has nothing to do with a fucking eating disorder. Crystal then... This was batshit. Crystal then goes, you're implying that she has an eating disorder. And Anna Marie goes, I'm not. You literally just did. And then she turns to Garcelle and goes, for the record, those are Crystal's words, not mine. I never said that. You literally just said, do you have an eating disorder? And Crystal says, you said eating disorder. And Anna Marie goes, no, I didn't. And then they flashback to 20 seconds ago. They don't even flashback. They literally just rewind. <laughs> and she, like, it's terrible. It's so bad. And Crystal says, our confessional, Anna Marie, you are the one that said it. You need to own up to it. You are the biggest gaslighter. And I don't need to look up in my medical encyclopedia what a gaslighter is. <laughs> yeah. She has plenty of examples over the years in this group. Crystal eight with that and yeah. i think she's gonna eat, eat next week too because like um, num, 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 num. yeah garcelle then gets up and goes i'm gonna get something something else to drink do you want anything and crystal goes a bottle of tequila thank you bye <laughs> <laughs> like really dorit and sutton are then talking and sutton's talking to dorit like about you know the the reason they're there and this whole suicide element uh, of it and she's like you know suicide's really tough and it can splinter a family it really affected me as a daddy's girl and we never addressed it as a family and she talks she's talked before about like her dad committing suicide and right. and all that stuff so she talks a lot about in the confessional about living with guilt and trying to then figure out like why he did it because it was it was he definitely had some form of mental illness but yeah. like I don't know if it was diagnosed or like, right. so. Well, and she also says that a lot of her guilt is over the fact that she was supposed to be there at mm -hmm. that time and she was late getting home. And she wonders, like, could I have stopped it? Right. Yeah. And that's terrible to yeah. have to deal with. G Garcelle comes up to them and goes, girl. <laughs> and she goes, Anna Marie is coming for you with your small esophagus. Sutton goes, not tonight. Dorit then in her confessional goes, Garcelle loves to strike a match, throw it on the flames, and then walk away. And that's exactly what she's doing with Sutton. Th this is why we talk about that you 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 have it out for Garcelle. Because guess what, Dorit? You did the literal exact same thing at the weed dinner when you went to Kyle and you told Kyle after things had died down when Sutton said at the table about she's probably in denial about something. You literally did exactly what Garcelle is doing now. Like, like literally word for word, not word for word, but you know what I mean? Like point by point. Exactly. Yep. You have it out for Garcelle. Like you need to just admit it. 
Sutton tells Garcelle, does she know my dad committed suicide? I'm an ambassador to NAMI, which is the organization that's sponsoring the event. She better stay the fuck away from me. Not tonight. And I'm like, yeah, Sutton. I get like, Sutton's like, I love when Sutton's firm and yeah. like sort of just like, no, I'm not pulling this bullshit. Um, Dorit says hi to Morgan and she talks about meeting Morgan, uh, two years ago at Mauricio's birthday party in London. And then realizing that that was one of the last times that she had saw Kyle and Mo together. Did you see the post I sent you about how someone was like, she says it was two years ago, but Kyle, where Kyle claims when she first met Morgan was like a year ago. And no, so Kyle said that she's been friends with Morgan for two years. Well, Kyle was like, we communicated online for a period, and then I met her in person. There's a post where she, there's an Instagram post where she literally says, I met Morgan in person today. Oh, okay. And it was like February some, like of, I think, last year. And if this was two years ago that Dorit had this dinner, that's weird. Yeah, it, it's weird math because you got to figure out, okay, when were they filming? When was right. when were they filming? But also, when did they film this confessional. confessional? And was she talking about from the confessional? Or was she talking about from when they filmed this event? And also, like, uh, like all the things, housewives math is weird. <laughs> yeah. Kyle and Morgan are feeding each other these, like, fruit skewers. <laughs> and, like, Morgan's like, you don't like cantaloupe. I think about that every time. Again, it's like you know those things about each other. It's like very. Garcelle literally goes, This is how rumors get started. Was yeah, Garcelle uh, Dorit. That? Dorit says that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's very uh, suggestive. Um, and then Kyle goes up to speak and to honor Lorene. I thought it was really the moment I like almost broke was like Kyle's talking about like suicide prevention and like, you know, destigmatizing it. And if you, they go to Garcelle and Sutton at the table and Garcelle like puts her hand on like Sutton's hand to be like, I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. Like that's real. It was really sweet. Yeah. And Sutton talks more in her confessional. She was like, I was supposed to be at my family's house at the exact time my father shot himself. And I lived for a long time thinking if only I had been there on time. Because I'm always late. We know this. And I found it so funny, like, her using humor. Like, yeah. it's, like, defaulting on that humor in a way, which, I, you know, is a coping mechanism. And then she says, I miss him. I miss that he's – and she gets choked up. She goes, I miss that he's not seeing my children. And then she goes, he'd be really – and then she stops herself and goes, no, I also learned this. He is really proud of my children. He is really proud of me because he's still with us. And she gets really choked up. And I'm like – this is why I love Sutton. Like, I think she, like, has such a range and sort of, like, you know. Well, and then I was really happy with when Kyle comes to sit down at the table, Sutton makes it a point to reach across to her. Yeah. You know, it's just like, hey, I'm here. That was a great speech. Right. I just hope that, I mean, I do hope Kyle and Sutton can fix things in a yeah. way because I think, like, they can, they have a lot of similar stuff in their lives that they can bond over and, like, you know. I think that's also why they make them clash so much. Mm -hmm. I thought it was also interesting. She talks about, like, she talks about Loreen in the speech and how they didn't like each other in the beginning and yeah. also fought a lot. Yeah. And, and like, she they, she talks about how they had to uh, say babaloo to each other after they were fighting because they could never say sorry. And the only like, place I can think that they got that from was, like, I love Lucy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. But it was just like, yeah, Kyle is a bit of a hothead. And, you know, and some of that is natural and some of that's environment. And, you know, yeah. I, you know, I just found that, yeah, really interesting. Um, 
and then I, I kind of choked up. Kyle in her confessional goes, and it, and when she says this, the the way the music just like stops in the background and like it's just kind of like dead silence. She says, two days before I was talking to Lorraine, she said to me, "Always appreciate your marriage." Mm. And she said, and I said, and I said that I will. Sometimes when we're having a hard time, I feel like I'm letting her down, yeah. and it's like Jesus Christ, like that's like, yeah, that would tear me apart. Um. Morgan gets up and performs again a song that I felt was a little inappropriate. Um, <laughs> a little, yeah, a lot. Uh, Kyle then says in her confessional, "I just think life is too short. I'm really just trying to be happy and live my life. I don't want to have a wasted day of not feeling good or spending time with people I don't want to spend my time with or people that don't appreciate me." And it did that and the Los Angeles comment earlier. Yeah felt like this could be a finality to Kyle on this show. And I could, again, I could believe that she would do that. Like, I do I, feel like she... I felt like this comment was more about Mauricio. Well, sure, you can read it that way. And you can read it about, like, Kathy and, like, right. you know... You can read it about a lot of things. Yeah, I just find it, like, I don't know. This felt more real than I have seen in past episodes with Kyle. And as much as I still think Kyle needs to own elements that I think she did really wrong this season, like, I do think there is a depth to her character that I think is compelling. I would, As opposed to, like, other people where I'm like, they annoy the fuck out of me. They need to go, like, Robin, fucking Anna Marie, like, whoever. Kyle, I'm like, yeah, I get pissed at you a lot, but it's like, I can't see you not on this show because I do think you yeah. are... I think you need to be held accountable. No, yeah, 1,000%. I think there needs to be a Kyle takedown season at some point, but I think you then need to be able to come back from that. Yeah, and I think, like, you you are definitely... She's definitely as... She really is a very integral part of this show, and I do think people should recognize that in terms of, you know, the history of this show. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that was Beverly Hills. Really good episode. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of Real Housewives of Miami. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry... We use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites. Fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, 
and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to Again is NB. Let's head on down to Florida where Marisol reveals she has some spooky spirits and sparkly trinkets on Real Housewives of Miami. Real Housewives of Miami for this week. You were mentioning that it felt like kind of a, a like a quicker episode. Like it felt like a little like these, fast. But... Like the whole first half of the episode is like these little small scenes. Like they don't really amount to much. Yeah. Like. They don't really compound. Yeah, they like nothing leads into another, and then the second half of the episode is this party at Marisol's, and that really doesn't like the. I literally looked down at my phone to like scroll like Facebook or something, and looked up, and the episode was almost over. Mm. And it's like, what is happening? Yeah, like this was kind of a mad episode to me. Yeah, I think it's still. I think it was still good, only in terms of the characters in play. Like the, the cast supports it enough, but in terms sure. of, I do agree. Like in terms of story, there wasn't like too much. Um, we start the episode uh, with Marisol at our house with Steve, um, and they're getting ready for, like you mentioned, the party that she's doing. It's kind of like, they mentioned it's like a bazaar almost where mm-hmm. like they can like see different like items and stuff like that and, and, and get them. From what I understand, she has like vendors that are there, but they're all giving away items. Right. Kind of as a marketing thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cute little marketing event. Um, so she talks though about how she's not inviting Nicole after what happened at like the Mother's Day lunch and stuff like that. She well, says she's inviting Adriana, which okay. is fascinating. No, we'll get to it. It's Wild. fascinating. Wild. Marisol says in her confessional, "You know Nicole is a motherfucker, and I'm having a party. I don't want to be frustrated." <laughs> like it's yeah, I I okay, Marisol. I think they're really. I it gets to a point where it's like now they are a little too hard on Nicole, and we'll see that kind of play out. Um. While she's there, though, Steve's uh, sons come over, and I and it was interesting to see Marisol like as like a stepmother and like certain like she says she's more like a big sister role to them, even though mm-hmm. again not in terms of age, but like um uh, she says at forty nine, I was thinking maybe I can still have a baby. I go to see the doctor, and she's like, "You got one egg, and it looks like a raisin. Nothing's gonna happen." <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and, and honestly, I, she's much more, I think like she's much more comfortable in that role. And I actually think she would be a really solid stepmother. Yeah. In certain regards. Um, she says she's having a medium come over to the house to like, sort of like check with like spirits and like, mm-hmm. yeah, not feng shui. Feng shui is not the right word. Cause that's a different like, but it's like parts of the house and like sort of like energies and right. like, things like that. Um, she says that she a hundred percent got uh, her gift of intuition from her mother and then we see the flashback of her mother from like season one, and you got to see original Larsa face. Jump scare. Like, that is not the same person. It's, I maintain that the original Larsa got killed when she went to see the Kardashians. They replaced her with someone else and sent them back to Miami. But it's not even just her face, her voice is different. Can you get a voice lift? Is that a thing? I don't know, but she was just spending, I guess, way too much time around Kim and then, like, ado- adopted that because it's, like... I I can't. It's, it's, it's that cool. is not the same human being. You cannot convince me. I need a DNA test. Yeah. 
Um, so Derek, the medium, then decides to come over. Hey, Derek. <laughs> he's, he's like, well, I really like, you know, I was happy in the front side of the house. And now that I'm in the back of this house, I feel really sad. And I guess like in an area like Marisol sits all the time. He's like, oh, that makes sense. There's like really bad energy or whatever. <laughs> they get out the giant stage to do the place. I love Marisol going, it's like a big old Jamaican spliff. <laughs> <laughs> and then she like laughs at her joke and she's like, okay, but we shouldn't joke about that. Don't laugh. <laughs> Uh, it like I I always knew that you would like this show because of the witchy elements. Like even yeah. like you w- didn't watch the first three seasons, but I'm like, There's- well, I mean, I saw a little bit enough to know about Marisol's mom, and I, I've seen a, a few of those scenes, but I really haven't seen like all all of it. Yeah. Uh, we then go to Gertie's house and they do their favorite trope on housewives where it's like a housewife, like moaning, like in the background and we don't see why. And then we cut to them and it's Russell just scratching her back. Yeah. Uh, I felt so bad for Russell cause Gertie Russell's like, are you good with everything? And Gertie's like, yeah, I'm good for now. And Russell's like, are you sure? He's, and she's like, yeah, I'm good. And then he's halfway down the stairs and goes, and Gertie goes, Hey Russell, I did want some of that cake. And Russell literally goes, you're doing it on purpose now. Okay, but at least she wait. She didn't wait until he came back with what she initially was asking for. Sure, or like, you know what I mean. Like he, she didn't wait until he was sitting down doing something else or anything. Yeah, but she jokes that she can be a demanding bitch of a patient, and she yeah. jokes like, maybe I need a spanking or whatever. So <laughs> at least she's having fun with it. Um, Julie and Nicole come to visit Gertie to check on her after her surgery, and that. Um, she talks about, you know, and she's like, I have like my dent here and like all this stuff. Um, I'm just waiting on the pathology and Nicole, I, it was nice to have Nicole like as a doctor, like explain in the confessional, like what the process is of like, we need to make sure all the cancer cells are out and yep. then like decide at that point, whether it needs like chemo and radiation and stuff like that. Um, to, so, and, but she also talks about like, you get numb to it when you're a doctor because you're constantly delivering that news. But with Gertie, like it's, uh, you know, yeah. it feels a little more real. Um, they talk about everything that happened at the Mamacita lunch. Gertie goes, Adriana needs to speak up too. I'm sorry. And Nicole goes, if Adriana doesn't own that it was her idea, I'm going to be super pissed. So they are acknowledging that it's Adriana's. And I, it also just surprised me though, that Nicole didn't say anything at the time. Yeah. I think she was just caught off guard that she was getting blamed by it and it just put her on her heels and she just didn't. And I guess she was like trying to repair it maybe and didn't have another fight, but it's like. At that point, it's like you blame Adriana. I'm sorry. Adriana has earned this. Everyone's disdain. Um, But as they're talking, Gertie then gets a text from Marisol with the invite. And then she looks through all the people on the invite list and sees that Nicole isn't invited. And Nicole goes, I mean, I love to see that, you know, she's inviting Adriana and not me. And she goes off. She goes, I've said it before. I don't need a group of friends like this. I don't want negativity and I don't want friends that think shitty things about me. These girls never think the best of me. They never give me the benefit of the doubt. And she's really fucking pissed. And I think like I felt it. It felt really real. And I do think Nicole has, I haven't seen Nicole really do anything that's earned a lot of her vitriol by like certain members of the group, at least to me. Yeah. Could you see if Nicole leaves, if for her to be the anchor of a married to medicine Miami. Maybe she would probably do really well at that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she's leaving. I think like, no, I don't either, but like people have brought it up online and I thought, yeah, why not? We, I, you know, it's an interesting idea. None of the other married to medicine spinoffs have worked, 
but I think someone that already has a following, you don't have to completely create and um, endear an entire cast. If you have an anchor that everyone knows, right? then I think that could help a lot. Yeah. Julia says that she'll bring up at the uh, Marisol's party what she knows, basically, about this, like, Adriana stuff. And uh, Nicole goes, the truth is, Julia, they want to think I know more than I know. I have never done anything to hurt anyone in this group, and they continue to treat me like shit, like a second-class citizen. So you know what? I am not going to go to a single group event until someone calls and apologizes. And we were like, uh, you're... Your, our instant reaction was kind of like, oh, God, no, like not another like I'm not filming with them. But I think it was done in a way that was like, I, like, I think Miami's producers are smart enough to then, OK, then we need to force a conversation with Alexia and Nicole. Right. But also Nicole is not demanding that anybody that nobody else go to events. She's not saying you don't need to talk to her either. Right. She's saying this is what I'm doing. and. Adriana needs to be held accountable for this. And so I think that she, at that point, trusts that Julia and Gertie will do that. Right. And also, let's be real. Nicole doesn't need this show. No. Like, she is made. She has got money coming out of her hoo-ha. Yeah. She'll be fine. Um, We then see this. (laughs) I love this scene. We then see Lisa taking her son Logan to the bank to get a bank account. He is the most adorable fucking child on Bravo right now. And it now. doesn't help that he is the best dressed person on Bravo oh my, right now. That fully matching blue suit with like the, the blue glasses. Oh my god! I, it was a cuteness fucking overload. Like it I was, d- my ovaries grew where they weren't because I don't have them. They spontaneously existed. And then started throbbing. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then Lisa getting her umbrella stuck in the fucking door. And she's trying to... So fucking funny. In in the stupidest way possible. Um, He's setting... Lisa's getting him a bank account because he's, like, saved up enough money. And it's, like, piggy bank. I love they're going through everything. And he's, like... So I know one of these is like fake, <laughs> like one of them's from like China or whatever. Well, it's a it's a a movie a movie prop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really yeah. Lisa tells him, you know, I had to work because my mom and dad were middle class. I started working at thirteen. My first job was at Dairy Queen, and I'm like, oh, I see what's happening with this scene. This scene was the I need to rehabilitate my character because I look like an asshole taking my uh, uh, housekeeper's car to mock the fact that it's a poor car which she then clarified she said on watch what happens live it wasn't her housekeeper's car which it's like i feel like you're saying that after the fact uh-huh. that's exactly what that felt like because why would you make that up like uh, um lisa says i didn't grow up like you grew up and, and logan goes with a ton of money <laughs> <laughs> yeah he i i thought it was a cutesy but like he definitely is not gonna have a concept of like money from lisa he's not oh, gonna get it he's probably not gonna get it from lenny either i i hope he doesn't get anything from lenny that's true um yeah but again cute fun little scene we then go over to Lars's house and she's having dinner with marcus and her daughter sophia who is uh, in from la uh, she, by the way, her daughter is a freshman in high school. She looked like, again, the, I guess the, we're talking about the influence of parents. The fact that, I don't know, like maybe it's this new generation. I don't know. But like her daughter had like fully laid like baby hairs and like, she was like beat stuff. Like I was like, yeah. And she's like, what? Like 14. 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's what happened. I mean, Lars. I mean, if you're Larsa Pippen's daughter, you gotta, I guess, present a certain way. Um, the oh, I was so annoyed by this because it's also like, you know, it's a family dinner, but it's like with Marcus. The producer asked Lars in the confessional, "Does Scotty have an opinion on Marcus spending time with your kids?" Which I think is a very interesting like point. Like that is Scotty's child, and Larsa goes, "We don't really talk about that." I'm, she does that answer all the time when anytime it's anything about the Michael Jordan stuff. And mm-hmm. it's just like, well, we don't talk about that. No, it's not a topic. I don't believe it's not a topic. I can't fathom the idea that it doesn't come up. Well, I mean, maybe her head is just so far away from Michael Jordan's head in terms of height that she just doesn't hear any of his concerns. Maybe. <laughs> Larsa tells, uh, asks Sophie, you're comfortable with Marcus staying here with us, right? And Sophie, or Sophia, sorry, goes quiet. Like, she doesn't really say anything. Larsa goes, I know it's probably not easy for you to be around someone that's not your dad. But if you have to pick someone, would he be the guy? Which is such a... Why would you ask your daughter that? Like, so Yeah, that, that was so loaded. That's not... Okay. And Sophia goes like, it would be him. He's so much fun. And it, I'm sorry, it felt coerced. It felt clearly. Weird. And also, it's like, I love what but I again, was waiting for her to hold up a, a newspaper with the day, the day's day on it or something. Like, yeah. I am fine. Yeah. And Larsa being like, I know it's because it's not your dad. No, it's not just because it's not her dad. It's because it's her dad's rival's fucking son. Jesus Christ. Uh, um, Larsa talks about, like, you know, also like how Lisa is like telling her about like wanting to be like good with her money and stuff like that. Apparently she gets her daughter gets like $2,500 a month. I'm assuming on like a credit card or something. Cause Marcus then explains like, so yeah, like if you don't, if you only spend like 2000, the 500 that you have left doesn't carry over to the next month. So just max it out every time. And Lord's just like, excuse me. Like what the fuck? Like that's what I'd be doing. Well, sure. I'd be withdrawing every damn cent of that shit. And that's going in a, a bank account that I open on the side. Well, there's that. Yeah. There's... Or it's getting stuffed in my mattress. One of the two. Yeah. Um, Larsa says that, uh, you know, I feel like you spend a lot, Sophia. And Marcus literally tells Larsa, I feel like that's the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> and Accurate. La- but Larsa goes, but I work twice as hard. And he goes, touche. Doing what? What do you do, Larsa? What do you do professionally? Quickly. <laughs> but, like, that was definitely Larsa's being like, shut up, Marcus. And he shut up. Like, he really was like, <laughs> you know, I'm a hard worker who's good with my money and I'm, you know, successful. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> and then in the fucking confessional, Larsa goes, to Marcus and goes, you know what's funny? I don't think my kids are spoiled. And Marcus goes, you know, privileged. Larsa goes, I don't think they're privileged. The producer literally goes, they fly private, Larsa. Like, so exasperated. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Oh, uh, it's crazy. Um, yeah, we then go to Alexia and Frankie looking for apartments uh, and, and doing the apartment uh, uh, scouting. <laughs> Alexia, the producer has Alexia, what did she feel like with like Todd not being there to help her? And she literally goes, 
I mean, like, he's the one with the real estate license, like, not me. Like, I really don't like the pressure, actually. Like, she's literally like, yeah, this is kind of fucking stupid that, like... I am the one that has to do this. Yeah, but like she also says, she's the one that really knows what Frankie needs. And Yeah, uh, they do a, a lot of topics, about, like a lot of discussion about sort of like, well, this isn't going to work. Um, I did think the bedrooms were too small, even yes. though it's going to sound stupid to say that they're too small. Like low, like one of those was a closet with a twin bed in it. Yeah, I, I did appreciate Alexia going. It's too small for us, and I sound like an asshole. But yeah, like she's like, I can acknowledge I what I sound like right now, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I I appreciate that tiny modicum of self realization. Right. We then go to Marisol's party, and she's getting set everything set up. Oh my god, that fuck the size of that fucking flower on Marisol's dress—that little like—it was bigger than her head. It was like the fuck. It was bigger than Angie K's glasses. Like it was bigger <laughs> than like. It was too much. Like yeah, and she said she got like fifty thousand dollars in florals for this party. Well, but when people are spending that a month on their rent, what? That's what fucking Alexia is spending on rent. Right. For a house. Not for floral arrangements. For one party. Sure. But what I'm saying is that $50,000 is clearly not as much to them as it is to us. Oh, well, yeah, that's a duh. But it's like, for me, I'm just like, I can't understand that for a party. It's like when Sonya on, on Atlanta like spent all like 100000 or whatever on that birthday. It was like, Why? I don't understand. I don't know. Um, Julia, uh, guests start arriving. Julia then arrives and she's like stressing out about clearing Nicole's name to Alexia Marisol. And she comes in like a deer in headlights. She, everyone's like, hi, Julia. And she's just like, it does. It's really awkward. She's like, just wide eyed and just like <laughs> placid smile. Alexia literally has to go, are you okay? <laughs> Kiki, Kiki go, gets offended. Kiki goes, it's us, Julia. <laughs> And he and Lexi's like, do you want to like say hi? And Julia's like, oh yeah, and then hugs her. It's like, <laughs> girl, snap out of it. Yeah. Um. Kiki talks about uh she's been uh she's booked on shows for Miami Swim Week, which I guess is a big thing in Miami. It's she says it's like rivals like New York Fashion Week basically, and that both her and Julia are walking in some of the shows, uh, and I think so. We're gonna see that in upcoming episodes. Mm-hmm. Um. And Kiki asks, uh, Kiki later also invites them to like a part, an after party that she's doing um, after one of the shows. And also we get to see Kiki's new confessional look, which I think is one of my favorite confessional looks across Housewives this season. It's so good. It's so, she's got the short, so she, I guess, cut her hair like really like sort of short and sleek. And she's got this like semi oversized like leopard with like pointed shoulders coat. It's fantastic. You said that she looked like, um, it reminded me of, uh, Oh, what is her name? Electro abundance from pose. Yes. Yeah. It was giving that energy that HBIC, like cunty, like fuck you for even thinking of fucking with me. It was fucking fierce. It was everything. Um, Kiki is asking if everyone's invited to the party today. And Marisol is like, well, Lars is sick. Um, Gertie is coming, um, and but then Kiki asks if Nicole's coming. Marisol's like, I didn't invite her because of what happened on Thursday. You know, that was a lot. Julia goes, you think she has something to do with it? And then Marisol goes, Adriana said that Nicole invited her, and I believe Adriana. Why? That is wild. 
why one it's wild on Adriana's part. That's like, that's a, it's a lie. It's an outward fucking lie. Well, and it's also like a risky lie. Like, why did you think they would believe that to even try it? Right. And, but the, but Marisol seemingly does. She says something about like Adriana seemed too uncomfortable at the lunch. And so she knew that Adriana didn't know about it. I see you knew wrong, bitch. <laughs> but also, but also this, I mean, I guess she wasn't there at the time because it was when they left. She came with Anna. She showed up with Anna. Right. In the same car. Right. Why? Why wouldn't you think? Uh, it's crazy. Man. It's so fucking crazy. Alexi goes, her and Anna had already been talking and Anna was giving her information. And Julia goes, but she was not plotting from what I know. And Alexi goes, Nicole says that she has the highest IQ. So you know what? You have the highest IQ. You know who Anna is. I was really kind of frustrated because Julia is literally at the like moments away from from outing yeah adriana and adriana like sneaks in the door behind her (laughs) julia is going i was under the impression she wanted to clear her name and alexia goes i por favor 10 years later like come on like i feel like i wish julia had just cut to the chase before adriana got there yes um but spoiler it wouldn't have mattered um but like you mentioned, Adriana arrives and Gertie also arrives. Marisol talks about Gertie being a rock star for still showing up and all that stuff. You, we find out later, but like Gertie, you can see there does seem something off about Gertie like uh-huh. in, in the intro to this party. We find out why. Um, they go shopping around the different booths that they have available. Adriana at Confessional says Marisol is doing what she does best. Using her PR contacts to buy friends. It's like she just hit like... That's not what this is, though, either. Like, she, she's clearly using her friends to get, to get the contacts exposure. Like, it's the complete opposite. I just can't believe that Adriana is going to take these many shots at Marisol and Alexia over and over and over again this season. And she's just going to glaze by. Maybe not the reunion, but, like... <laughs> I, I just... I Wild. Yeah. Absolutely wild. They all then sit down to eat and the Mother's Day brunch comes up again. Alexia goes, I feel like Nicole brought her in to antagonize Marisol. And uh, Julie has to go, guys, 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 guys. Like, <laughs> she goes, I think Nicole is getting a beating. And Alexia goes, as she should, as she should. Um, and then at this point, Julia goes, Adriana, look, you know, I love you. Adriana then starts speaking in Portuguese and she's going, don't start. Stop that. Stop that now. Stop. She, like, starts rising out of her seat. Like, what are you doing, Adriana? <laughs> it was, like, crazy. Like, and, but it's, like, and also just, in, it's in front of everybody, too. Yeah. So it's, like, strange in that regard. Adriana says her confessional, Julia and I always call each other Thelma and Louise. We're about to go off this cliff, but now she's jumping out the car and letting me go down alone. And you're like, that's not the metaphor that's happening. What's happening is you are literally dragging her in the back by this car when you, she had nothing to like fucking do about it. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that you've also trapped Nicole in the, in the, <laughs> trunk. In the trunk of this car. Uh, Julia then goes, okay, Adriana has something to say. And then Adriana then says, I invited Anna with Nicole's blessing, which it's like, okay, again, like technically true, but you're also like trying to make it out. Like 
Nicole had full knowledge of what was happening. Yeah. Adriana tells Alexia, I was bothered when you said to Lisa, why are you driving Lenny's roles when you're driving Todd's roles? And Alexia goes, he's my husband and we share the car, bro. He's not accusing me of putting a device. Lenny is Lisa's enemy right now, which is true. It's like, you can't make that comparison. Yeah. It's not the same thing. It's stupid. And and it's like, okay, now this is cleared up. Julia goes, can we now be clear that Nicole has nothing to do with it? Alexia goes, of course she does. Bitch, where? And you can see all of the look on Julia's face is just like, are you fucking serious right now? <laughs> the producer then asks Alexia and Marisol in the confessional, why are you fired up towards Nicole, but not towards Adriana? Alexia says, for me, Adriana is just being typical Adriana. And then Marisol says, I'm tired of being angry at Adriana. She's just an asshole. Oh, for fuck's sake. What are you talking about? But again, she's like, I like this is, but then she also tries to say like, well, this is new who Nicole is. I've always known this about Nicole. Then how is it different? This is weird. It's like, like this person, Adriana keeps kicking me in the shins. So I'm kind of used to it at this point, but I've always known that Nicole keeps looking at my shins. Like she wants to kick them and she still hasn't done it, but I think she will. Yeah. Adriana literally says in the confessional, I decided to come clean and take all the blame. They're still mad at Nicole. Well, carry on. (laughs) The way that also I would be on Alexia and Marisol's side if they were going after Adriana. Like, I would be on their side. Right. But, like, they just refuse to do that and go after Nicole, who's done fucking nothing. And at this point, I can't even be mad at Adriana because she took responsibility for it. Yeah. Lisa then arrives to the party, and Lisa, I guess, is still pissed from the fucking Palm Beach trip. I guess. And she's like, because she's like, I'm going to confront Alexia, which she could have done at the, at the mom, whatever. I guess so much was happening at the Mother's Day party. Lisa says in her confessional, you have to hold people accountable. Alexia does it all the time, so she shouldn't mind that I'm holding her accountable. And this was so weird and like how this was like building Lisa walks in and says, hi. And Alexia goes, you're the only one that arrives two hours late. And we still love and hug and want to kiss you like joking. And Lisa goes, well, I was saving the best for last. Alexia goes, does that mean you're the best? Lisa goes, yeah, I'm the star. Like making the joke about Alexia saying that she was a star last season. It's just like real. It's like smiling, but like, hitting each other you know I what i mean also, like i also find that really funny that her and anna made the same joke oh right without knowing that the other person made that joke sure because anna made it in the car i guess it's low-hanging fruit but like you know yeah um lisa goes i guess i'll give you a hug even though you gave me a rude welcoming <laughs> and then lisa then gets into the stuff again with alexia she's like you were talking shit about me uh, and, and, you know, they're going back and forth. Lisa says her confessional, I, por favor, making fun of Alexia again. She, cause she always says that. Lisa goes, I know she was a teacher, but I'm not her student. And I then had to tell you that Alexia used to be a school teacher. And you were like, Wild. in what jurisdiction? <laughs> like, what idiot hired this woman? Like, she must have been a different person back then. Yeah. Because there's no way that this human could have handled a classroom of students. No way. 
Alexia goes, you know that the intentions are all good. And Lisa goes, your delivery is sometimes very aggressive. Alexia then gets mad about this because, of course. And Alexia goes, I don't appreciate people giving a twist and saying, oh, I was so mean. Lisa goes, it's not a twist. I was there. It's my take on it. Yes, but I... uh... I'm I'm kind of on neither side of this. Like I think Lisa took the stuff in Palm uh, Beats way too personally. In I, certain yes. regards, I I am on the dear God, could it be over now side? Yeah, Alexa goes, "Why are you so defensive?" And Lisa goes, "Can you be calm?" Alexa goes, "I'm very calm." And I love Mara's on the background going, "Chill as a cuke." <laughs> <laughs> Alexis, like you came in here with an attitude, and Lisa goes, "I came in with an attitude." Lisa, don't play dumb. You're literally were hyping yourself up to like get into this fight. Alexia goes, this is not a pity party just because you're going through this. And this sets Lisa off and she goes, what? Stop. You're always talking over people. I'm going to talk now. And then they just start going back and forth and yelling and and yipping at each other and just arguing. We then, during this happening, cut to like shots of Gertie just like zoning out. She's just like so exasperated by this fighting. And like she basically talks in her confessional. She's like, I can't deal with this. I haven't come to terms with the news that I just got in the car from the doctor's office. And apparently she got a call that not all the cancer cells are out and she's going to have to go in for another surgery. Yeah. And she got that right before this party. Gertie then just gets up. She's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And they're just like still fighting. And Marisol goes goes like, guys, Gertie's leaving. Like whatever. And Gertie goes, this is ridiculous, guys. Lisa then goes, don't yell at me. I didn't love Lisa, even though Lisa didn't know the new news, like Gertie's recovering from cancer. Like the way that you're like, right. like literally not even a week out from surgery, like turn the housewife's brain off and like, you know, think for a second. Gertie goes, bye. I will go. Also, anyways, I lied earlier. I need to have a second surgery on Tuesday. So I got to go. I'm done. And like, everyone's just in shock. Like, but like Gertie just had to get it out. Cause she's like, I'm trying, I was trying to hold it in this entire time and act like everything was okay. And I just couldn't fucking do it. And so that's what you get. Yeah. Uh, they all follow Gertie out, uh, except for Lisa and Kiki. Uh, Gertie's like, I'm listening to all this stuff that doesn't fucking matter. None of this shit fucking matters. Yeah. Like, it's just pointless. And she's like, I can't take the toxicity anymore. And toxicity in terms of cancer, this looks like cancer in real time. Yeah. Which I thought was a very, like, great way to put that and we talked like last week about like sort of the juxtaposition of everyone just kind of going about their lives as Gertie's going through this really severe thing yeah and it's like yeah these fights are fucking stupid i get it because it's housewives but in any other year fine this year there's something bigger guys can you like you know think for a second lisa just as they're leaving lisa goes i sure can clear out a room can i (laughs) (laughs) it's like okay um uh, and then Gertie's just like crying. Alexia's crying, like as they're leading Gertie out. Gertie goes, "You want to help me? Make it right. Drop all of your fucking egos, all of you. I'm tired of it." And basically, it was like, "You all need to make this shit fucking right. It's not Nicole's fault this shit happened. You know, this fight, you know, with Lisa, etc. Like, fix it. Fucking fix it." Yeah. And I think I did appreciate that they kind of really took that to heart. Seemingly Nicole or Alexia says something to the effect of like, I respect what she's asking us, but I expect to have a conversation with Nicole and for her to own it. And you were like, but if she's not like, you can't say own it when she's not. Right. That's so, it's so housewives, right? Because 
it, it is something that we constantly see. Like, well, she needs to own what she did when you weren't there to see what she did. Right. You don't know firsthand what she did. You are only hearing stories from other people. So you don't know. Like, you're making a lot of assumptions. Right. I don't know. I yeah. get I get here irritated by that. Yeah, but it's it, it seems like they are taking that out, like Gertie's challenge to them seriously. And I thought it was a good, as much as it's real shit, and Gertie shouldn't have to go through this. Like, it was a good mechanism in which to sort of like fix that problem that like Potomac has and all these right. other shows where it's like, yeah, you guys got to interact with each other and you guys got to fucking fix it. Like that needs to be yeah. a priority. Um, yeah. So that was Miami for this week. I would say good episode. Like you said, maybe a little boring and not boring, but like light in parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, still really good stuff. All right. Let's talk tops and bottoms. We got Potomac. We got Salt Lake. We got Beverly Hills and we got Miami. What you thinking, babe? Uh, I'm going to start with my bottom and it's going to be really quick because it, it's as quick as her time on the show so far. <laughs> and that's Anna Marie. God, she's really bad. Like, yeah. Even in, like, we haven't talked about, it, but, like, even in, like, her interviews with, like, uh, like other outlets and stuff like that, she just is dense. And, like, either dense or, like, just intentionally, like, gaslighting. I really think yeah. gaslighting was the best word that Crystal used to describe her. Yeah. Well, and I just, I thought it was really nasty how she... Went after, like, Dr. Nicole and Tiffany Moon. Oh, yeah. Like, saying that Dr. Nicole was clout chasing after her. Girl, like, the whole definition of clout chasing is that you have to be important. Dr. Nicole's been on Miami for three seasons. You've been on for three seconds. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. She's also a doctor. And you presented yourself as a doctor because you were ashamed to be a nurse. Not that there is any shame in being a nurse, but you put shame on the profession by acting like this. Yeah, and we'll get into that next week because that's going to come up in the whole fight with Crystal. But, like, yeah, fuck off. Like, it's like she really just is not – I don't see any reason she should be here. I said it to you, I think, last night. I was like, while I want neither of them on the show, Diana was better. And that's yeah, hard at least to she say. brought something. Yeah, there were moments, but like Diana was better. Um, my top is also in Beverly Hills, and it might be a little bit of a shock. I'm gonna give it to Kyle. <gasps> I know. Um, I really liked Kyle this episode, and I thought it was the most real parts of Kyle's story that we have gotten. And I think there was a honesty to her in a way that I really appreciated in certain regards, like. And and, and and honestly, in recognizing how sometimes she cannot be very open, I thought was a big breakthrough. And I think, yeah, whether what whether what's going to happen with this Morgan stuff and, you know, how the rest of the Mauricio stuff is going to play out. Like, I do think she's brought a lot to the season. And I think, like, it's really commendable to put it all out there in however it's looking. Like, and right. I, th- that doesn't mean I've agreed with everything Kyle's done this season. There's a lot I haven't. Um, but... Yeah, just something about this episode really, I think, like, encapsulated why her story is very good this season. Yeah. What about you, babe? What are your tops and bottoms? I'm going to start with my bottoms, and I say bottoms specifically because I'm giving it to the Green-Eyed Bandits, all three of them motherfuckers. Right. Um, Because they have, as a unit, ruined Potomac. Plain and simple. Like... I like there's the stonewalling there's the like like not like I just there's just nothing good coming out of that side of the cast and they're actively trying to ruin the show yeah like there's no other explanation I just 
I there it's egregious. It's disgusting how production is protecting them and supporting their bullshit with fake receipts. Um, and I just I I can't stand it. It's gross. It's awful, and it has to be fixed, or Potomac will no longer be a thing. It will get canceled. Like it just it can't keep going like it is. Right. Um, my top for the week is going to be Gertie. Um, not because of what she's been through, but I mean, that is a big part of it. Um, but really how she handled the end of this episode and how she really got the girls to refocus on what's really important. Yeah. Like the bickering, the back and forth. Yeah. It's cute, whatever. But I really appreciated her ability to go, that's not what's important in life. And I really need you guys to hear me when I say that this is just as toxic as the cancer that was just cut out of me. Yeah. And I need you to really reevaluate where your priorities lie and realize that this ain't it. Like this circle of friends needs to really fix the cracks and the foundation so that we can move forward as a group. And I really think that this was the right time for that wake up call because they haven't gotten to a place where things are irreparable. Right. Um, so I really, really hope that that woke some people up a little bit and maybe got them out of their own heads so that they can repair things and, and move forward together as a friend group. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.